You're muted. You're muted. Oh, yeah, you're muted. There we you all go. knew this is. was going to happen. We all knew it. All right. Well, we're back. Hi, guys. Um, I I promise I'm paying off of large bill right now, and once that's done, I'm getting a webcam, and we're all, we're all going to be golden. Um, but we are we are back. Episode uh, three hundred and forty-five, which seemed to us like a good time to try once again a new format. Um, as we're we're back with a with a slightly new format, so you're going to see some things change. But of course, I am Brandon T. McClure. With me, as always, on this uh, wonderful journey is my good friends Ben, ben Magnet. I almost I said mean, bag magnet. Bag bag. I mean, I do have bags under my eyes, but I don't know if bag it's magnet true. does just roll off the tongue like bed magnet does. No, it doesn't. Uh, Sparks, witty. I feel like we're more in like 6.0. I know we're calling it 3.0, but I don't know. There's 6. been all 0. kinds of variations. 6. I don't know. 6. Interesting. I'd That'd have to, I'd have to, I don't want to do it right now. I'd have to like look at it. Hey, I'm Sparks with Maybe 4.0. Ryan? No, this is all new, all new Fake Nerd Podcast, the new 52 Fake Nerd Podcast. Mm. Oh, I hope it goes better than Fake the new Nerd 52. Podcast Rebirth. I feel like we've made this joke before too. That's why it's actually like 8.0. Yeah. Here we go. It's the DCU Fickner podcast, if you remember Ugh. DCU. Where we never talk about DC movies. Oh, the spunk. Oh. We're talking about DC YOU, right? Yeah, Y O U. The, okay. The, okay. The, the, when New 52 didn't New 52 didn't end, they did like a DCU thing after Convergence, God, uh, right. which had a, a bunch of different titles. Some of them were actually pretty good. Superman came was out. on a bike riding across America. That's right. Yeah, that's when yes. there's the time for DCYOU, which means this is all politics now. We're talking about what happened in the Capitol. Big march for Palestine. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> hey, no, I'm going to say, hey, free Palestine. Screw all y'all if you don't believe that. Very, that's very, very easy to be on that side if you ask me, but that's not what the podcast is about. That's true. Um, no, we are a nerd podcast, but of course, this Ryan speaks for most of us. Um, all most of us, of us. most of us. Um, right. All right. So, so yeah. we're so we're gonna try a, a, we're gonna try a new format, which basically um, is going to do a kind of a more of a free flowing type of topic discussion. We're gonna there's gonna be a little bit of a structure, but not really. Um, so for that, what that basically means is hopefully the conversation is a little bit better, a little bit less boring for us, and. Uh, more engaging for sleepy boy over there and um uh we'll we'll see we'll we'll see what we we'll see what we do um Um, i mean part of it is my own damn fault because i have been awake uh we're not awake but i had to go to sleep very late i was playing spider-man miles morales i was having a blast and then i was like okay i'm gonna stop it's around one o'clock and i was like you know what i'll watch like maybe one or two episodes of an anime i've been wanting to watch for a while and then next thing i know was almost four o'clock in the morning because this show is so goddamn good and i'm like mm, well, my pellet so, to the hole again so what what I, what I will say off of brian's um response of i, I love the news which is, is great and i want people to i want people to always do what they love what they love on the show um uh, on all of our shows that's what that's my biggest my biggest thing is that i want everyone to do what they love um for ben people who watch the show know that ben does not engage with the news format he just kind of sits there and waits for other things to happen or for the one thing that he is really engaged with. And that's that that I feel I always feel bad. Sparks yeah. went on conversa- conversation in season one, say he didn't like the news. Um <laughs> too. So and I was kind of indifferent. Than that, but I get you. Right. It was like, go see that episode. Um and that was and and I was a little bit more indifferent to the new to the news. And so what basically happened was 
a little bit behind the behind the scenes here. I won't get into it too much, but I felt really burnt out doing the format we were doing. And so I just want to say thank you to my, my, my fellow co-hosts for um, helping find a way to revitalize not only my interest, but hopefully uh, make this a show that we can all be engaged with. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the best things about the, if I may, for a hot second, gentlemen, yeah. the one of the reasons why I still love doing the show, why, I mean, I told you why I'm stubborn about keep wanting to do the show, but also it's just a great excuse to hang out with my friends, talk some fun nerd shit, and just hang out. Like, I don't, I don't think that if we didn't do the show, I would, I definitely would be seeing all of you as much as I would. Honestly, I don't think I would have met Ryan if I didn't do this show. Nope. Probably not. I mean, I was still be in contact with Brandon, not as much with Sparks, but because, um, you know, Brandon and I, we went to college together. We're really close friends. He's going to be a groomsman when I get married eventually. And I'm and I met Sparks a few times. Like the one time I went up to visit him in Monterey, I was like, hey, this guy is really, really cool. But I don't think I ever would have met Ryan. So I owe this podcast a whole lot. And I'm just glad that we're still we're still working. We're still growing. We're still making this show fun for all of us and just to echo a little bit of what brandon's saying i am glad that i'm here with with my friends and i love you all i love you guys too um also fuck alan (laughs) damn it right right no i know but that's all he ever does is allude to it we're not supposed to talk about it i thought i wonder if i i truly wonder if he watches this Um, not anymore (laughs) this is the time I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> I know, I know. You're trying to be diplomatic. Um, all right, so, um, so you probably are going to see less time codes. Is what I was trying to get at a little bit earlier. Um, I might try to do a time code or two, but uh, time codes are probably going to be more or less non-existent when you go to the audio format of for, format of the show or the rewind. Um, but I'll see what we. I'll see how we do, and we'll see how this works. This is a trial and error kind of process, and we'll see how this goes. But before we get too far into the show, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to keep the links because, hey, why not? Yeah. I actually really like lot. talking about these. We got a lot of lot of stuff down there. And like, hey, look at that. Who's it's, in the uh, it is. It is Amy, a.k.a. Princess Sparkle Bunny. How are oh. you doing? Oh, she says, I love you guys, too. Keep making the show. That warms That's my me. heart. That That's warms me. my heart. Haven't, Hi, uh, haven't haven't seen her in the chat in a while. It's been a moment. It's been a few. It's actually been a while. it's been a good decent while. Also, yeah, because she and I we wouldn't used to talk a whole lot on Instagram and Twitter, um, and life just happened. But I'm glad to see that she's still sticking to stick around. Yeah. Yay! All right. So uh, the strike information is still in the chat. Uh, sorry, in the chat. Sorry, in the description. Um, of course, you can check out. Um, where you want to donate, where the, what the SAC, what the SAC proposals are. We will be talking about the strike a little bit in a, in a, in a minute, just kind of some updates. But uh, bottom line is not a lot has happened. Kind of hoping for to hear about a deal soon. The new best and final. We'll see. Um, but we'll uh, never heard that one before. Right. Uh, no, right. Um, so, so, but hey, the proposals and things like that, where you want to donate, that's in the description below, as well as a GoFundMe account for a person who passed away uh, just yesterday, I believe um uh th- that we'll talk about in a minute and uh, that's linked below there um dean dark ben has a new episode of dean dark as well as the launch of his of his side project which is on um patreon but the first episode is available on their feed um so I'm, once again not the individual episode is linked it is the website so the dean dark website so if you want to go in there 
watch listen to the latest episode catch up on what you haven't go right ahead ben do you want to say anything about uh, the latest episode i most certainly i want to actually talk about uh, quite a bit so i've been alluding don't to it for it. a while what's up no, don't, don't spoil, spoil it, it. <laughs> no 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 spoilers no spoilers um yeah so dean dark we're back in full swing we go into a bi-weekly uh, um, release schedule it's easier on dan because you guys have listened to the show before he does a crap ton of editing it's mm-hmm. that man is a machine and just the way he's able to do stuff is just so it boggles my mind on how amazing he just like when we record the shows we don't have all this extra audio and what what he puts out is just great so we're gonna i i, I just cannot wait for you guys to find out what happens um later on especially with the episode we recorded yesterday but yeah dracula came back shit's bad and we're we got some stuff to take care of but i also really want to talk about a uh, call kathubi do because as brandon said it is our patreon special show we did put the first episode up for everyone to listen to as kind of like a little teaser for it so if you want to listen to the rest of it you can join the d and dark patreon it's only about five dollars a month you get access to our discord server you get access to all the other specials we're going to do because we do have more in the pipeline um but i will say i am just glad that sparks isn't completely destroying me on my shaggy he was like hey i'm enjoying it but there's just like one little thing you do this instead of this and I'm like okay that's fair but other than that i'm just glad you all are enjoying it because it was a riot when we recorded it especially um my castmate uh aaron who plays fred what he just called a, a someone out uh, a liar in their first episode just every single one in the cast we had to take like a little five minute break because we were cackling so hard that's great um i recommend i recommend listening to both i think both of them are delightful dan is a great uh dm mm-hmm. uh and an awesome editor uh highly recommend those shows yeah it's always it's always a pleasure to i mean not only play dungeons and dragons or a new format called cthulhu because or called cthulhu excuse me because <laughs> i've never heard of call of cthulhu before and the fact that most of our dice in Call of Cthulhu, or most of our rolls involve the D100, it, it's a lot different because, you know, a lot of TTRPGs, they focus on D20s and you're kind of like, okay, just roll above a 15 or above a 10, something good should happen. But with the D100, that's it's weird because you want to roll low. The lower, the better. The higher, the worse it gets. And it's a very different dynamic and it's just, I'm not gonna lie, because Aaron famously in our D and D in the in D and Dark, he rolls low a lot, and it's hilarious because he has an excellent plan, but he can't uh, execute it because he rolled like a two or four. Whereas in Call of Cthulhu, do he is rolling get some amazing low rolls, and he's like, I guess I just need to play this game more. <laughs> I I quite like the Call of Cthulhu setup. Uh, uh, I was going to do a one shot like two years ago at this point because uh, uh, I have a book back here with, with the fam here. Um, but yeah, I really like that that rule set. It's a lot. It's like I think it's a little more challenging than D&D as well. Um, mm-hmm. But also I just like like the hardcore spooky shit. So that works for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Please check out those the, those uh, shows if you will. Um, and next I'll talk about uh, something that I'm incredibly excited about. I've, I've been waiting for this episode to drop for a while. Um, uh, a couple of a couple of months ago, at this point, I had a guest on conversation called Rachel Strange of the Narrative Labyrinth podcast. Really enjoyed talking to her. I thought I had a great time on that episode, and I went on her episode. Uh, I went on an episode of, of the Narrative Labyrinth, um, her show, and had a great time. Um, she's one of my favorite guests that I've ever had on. And the episode that I recorded with her is finally out. Um, 
it's talking it's part of her adapted miniseries uh where they talk about how things have been adapted and so i chose the star trek kelvin films oh. thinking that i would talk about how good of an adaptation they are not into darkness but star trek 09 and certainly star trek beyond which is a movie i really love <laughs> mm -hmm. but watching star trek 09 for that episode something happened and i really didn't like the movie so it was really interesting going on that episode having a pre-planned like defense for this movie and all being like I, nothing i was going to say is relevant anymore because i don't like the movie anymore and so it was so much fun to talk about and it was so much fun to digest with her and i had a great time uh i hope everyone listens to it and has such has a great time maybe even listen to the narrative labyrinth it's a really fun podcast i really enjoy listening to it um i, I, I recommend uh listening to my episode of course it's linked below please do it's a great time really excited I'm, for people to listen i mean i'm definitely gonna watch i'm or not watch but listen to it now because i branded one of the things that you and i first bonded over was star trek 09 yeah i don't i i will i i don't remember everything that i said on it um but something something clicked something has changed um and i i just i didn't like it um <laughs> i still love star trek beyond all hail Star Trek Beyond. Oh yeah, that movie. Well, I will be a ride or die for that movie for decades, I hope. Um, but yeah, please check that one out. I'm really excited. For, I'm really excited to have that one finally out and for people to listen to it. Speaking of conversation, by the way, this coming Friday, new episodes. Uh, it's coming back now that I'm uh, waiting for my job to come back. Um, so Spooktober, Basement Arcade Spooktober is over. Sad. Um, but I am. Sad. I, now we're not playing more video games. I'm free. I'm free. Ben ascending to heaven. The cage opens up. <laughs> and I'm like that guy in, in Hunchback of Notre Dame who goes, I'm free. I'm free. Then he, I just get locked and stuff. Something I was going, ah, dang it. That's you got 355 days, Ben. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, Ben, um, Choo Choo Charles has been getting increasing traction. And if that keeps going up, we're going to make you go back. You know what? Part of me kind of wants to go back to Choo Choo Charles just because I want to kill I that know. train. I just want I that knew. train to die. Uh, all right. So um, because of so much has happened, was happening at uh, Spooktober, Sparks was a madman editor, and you guys did so many games. It's wonderful. Um, Shout out to Ryan. Ryan uh, helped me out. He edited all of the multicam for Dead by Daylight. So Awesome. That was a huge I help um yeah and uh so so because there's so much i didn't put every individual episode <clears> in there instead i put in the spooktober um uh, playlist um yeah, that's fine. so so uh if you've missed a spooktober episode or if you haven't seen them all yet uh go onto that playlist they're all there i believe it's all from the previous years as well it's every it's every spooktober um so go and check that out a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of spooky stuff uh, literally literally half of that playlist is this year yeah <laughs> we um, what was it uh dead dead space the dead, dead space. space remake was like i think came out to like 13 parts 13 chapters yeah it okay. should have been 14 <laughs> behind what? the scenes it should have been 14 if we <laughs> lost we lost uh, uh a whole episode but oh we, wow you, you sound we salvaged we it. salvaged what we could unfortunately like it was a good it was a okay point in the story to lose yeah it was some lucky, of the game yeah. but like so we were lucky in that regard but yeah we we did a whole recording of an episode and we lost the whole visual so i had yeah. to reincorporate 
I think it's episode 10. If you watch the beginning of episode 10, there's a little like thing where we recap and have a little bit of like some of the audio with some visual stuff to get you go through it. But we made we, it work. We lost a whole a yeah, whole visual on an episode. We so there should have been 14 points technically. We, yeah, you want to we, see me truly frustrated? You will never see it because it's not recorded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ryan was not happy about that. And I was I just felt so bad because I'm just I mean, going, there's nothing. Not my fault do, either, but no, it wasn't his fault. Up. It wasn't my fault. It was nobody's fault. It was the computer's fault. Yeah. But I have to say playing Dead Space, at least the remake of Dead Space, the whole way through was an absolute treat. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's going to be in my top 15 because that remake did come out this year. It came out in January. It was, I I would, because uh, sometimes I would cut when I go over to Sparks's where we would record the spooky games, I would be a little nervous. I'm not going to, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy the game all that much. Um, Like uh, the, the first version of, what was it? Dark Connections, you know, the one with the Dark monkeys. Deception. Dark the Deception, thank you. Like the monkey game, I, I won't lie. That game, I did not enjoy that much. I mean, as much as I wanted to beat that level, I didn't enjoy it very well. The D-Make was fun, but once again, I'm yep. an assaultist bitch. Anything 16-bit, I'm going to gravitate towards. And also, to me, it was a little easier to control and get through. But mm-hmm. Dead Space, man, I was looking forward to Dead That's Space. Even though Dead Space was, sca- was spooky as hell, and there are many times that stuff got me, especially when I would turn around and I see a baby with a bunch of tentacles coming out and it's going, man, it's spitting at me. And both Sparks and Ryan are yelling, baby, 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 kill it, kill it. <laughs> It's um, and I'm just I'm just like panicking, pushing buttons. It was a fantastic <laughs> ride. I am actually glad I played it. And now with especially uh, Patrick Brickhouse of the Retro Blast Podcast, friend of the show, because he loves Dead Space. He got an Isaac tattoo recently, and it's freaking oh, yeah. rad. And now it's like cool. I can finally talk to him about Dead Space. This is awesome. Ben, you've now officially you not beaten, but you've now over the course of a couple of years played more spooky games than I think most video gamers. And you're not I even think, a spooky guy, so I just want to give you credit for being like the master of horror. Part part of me also just wants to after not only the, another thing this year because we also have a Five Nights at Freddy's episode up in accordance with a certain thing that also came out this year, but I also am now mad at Five Nights at Freddy's the video game, not because I think the game is bad, but because I'm just pissed I couldn't get past Tay Duke. The game so I want to go. I want to beat a Five Nights at Freddy's game. I want to go back. I don't. I can't believe mm-hmm. I'm saying this. It's like take me back to Freddy Fazbear's. I want vengeance. I want vengeance. As as Ben has already said, there's also a Five Nights at Freddy's uh, two episode, uh, as well as a Fortnite Five Nights at Freddy's prop hunt. Um, yep. I believe Choo Choo Charles came out in the last two weeks as well. Yep. Um, Evil Dead the game. Evil Dead last the game. of Us grounded uh, grounded edition with the clickers Dead for daylight. Ben. Dead by Daylight, as I said, with the, the multicam with a bunch of our friends that we all got together and did. Brandon's on those with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon's uh, on Brandon's on the Fortnite, the Dead by Daylight, the Evil Dead, the game, all of those, and Choo Choo Charles. He was part of all of those. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed watching Choo Choo Charles. Uh, Dead by Daylight's mm-hmm. always a joy. Always happy to play that game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so next... Uh, Base Market Pause Menu is back with two new episodes. Uh, boss Fight Books with Gabe and uh, quarter uh, your you guys' uh, 2023 Q3 quarterly episode. Yeah. yeah. Ben, why don't you talk about Boss Fight Books real quick first? I almost certainly will. So this that uh, episode I have actually been looking forward to put out and to record because also behind the curtain 
um, last uh, September or back in September, my editor for Old School Gamer Magazine, he put out a thing on our Facebook page saying, "Hey, who wants to write about Boss Fight books? Well, I will take pitches for the article." I it was one of those like divine moments where because I don't go on Facebook all a lot anymore. I really go on there once a month just to check the uh, the OSG page to be perfectly deleted for five years. I feel bad. And when I saw that, no one else responded to this to this uh, like open pitch. So I immediately jumped on it because I have some of the um, boss fight books here at my house. I have this is Final Fantasy V, and I have Mega Man Three somewhere. And I just like jumped on the chance because I I was like, I want to do this. And the fact that I was no one else challenged me, I was instant. Obviously, I was instantly picked, and I got to in touch with uh, Gabe Durham, who is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of boss fight books it was not only just a treat to talk to him but also it was a treat just to like to learn the inner workings of what these books are all about and it's the love and care each author puts into these books is fantastic um and i also have an article coming out uh this month at the time of this recording the november issue of old school gear magazine should have two articles of mine both are pretty big ones uh I'm proud. I'm very proud of both of them, but I will not lie. The boss fight books um, article was just such a joy to write. Like I was up till six o'clock in the morning working on it. And I was like, not dying by the end of it. I was like, when I was finished, I was like, I want to do more. It got, it, like, it, it, it inspired, it inspired me to do it. So um, if you guys never heard of boss fight books, I would definitely recommend listening to my pause mini episode. It's a really good overview and you'll get some, and also, these are these are short books. It's very fun reading. It's very good if you want to learn about some of your favorite video games, or if you're a writer like me who wants to maybe find out some tips on submitting because they do take open submissions. Their open submission period isn't open yet, but once it is, I mean, who knows? You could be one of the writers. Like I'm going to try because I really want to write you. about a certain video game concerning a blue hedgehog. Oh, I love Mega Man. <laughs> Same. Um, quarter three, uh, 2023. Yeah, we talk about a lot of video games. Don't even discuss it very much. It's just, it's, yeah. I will say when I was in the editing process, I realized like we all kind of screwed up and I'm like, we should have talked about Dead Space. Yeah, but like, we have 13 episodes. We have 13 episodes of playing it, but I was like, we should have talked about like, sure. in in retrospect, like, hey, we all, we were all part of that experience. We can talk about like what a good job they did with the game, the sound design, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, uh, we should have taken that shot and we didn't. So, (laughs) oops. We'll we'll take that shot when we record quarter four. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, the reason why I wasn't going to talk about Dead Space is because since that was for the podcast, I was when we whenever we do our quarterlies, I talk about the video games I play that aren't for podcasting purposes. Sure. Yeah. I think I think I thought, oh, we should probably do Dead Space only because like we did the full game. I understand why we don't do it for like Choo Choo Charles and all that stuff. But like, yeah. I was like, no, we, we went through that whole game. There was there, there's things I definitely could have said about that. that did yeah. but, game. but it's a solid, regardless of that, it's a solid uh, uh, episode. We have a lot of, we actually talk a lot, a lot of video game news. I think oh, for yeah. now, 15 minutes, we're we're talking just video game news, um, a lot of big stuff, a lot of thoughts that we had on things that are going on in the in the climate, and then yeah, we talk about games we've been playing and things like that. Um, and that's that's always fun. I'm really glad we do those quarterly check-ins. It's a little late, but like you know, so was the last one. So technically, it's on time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, an hour uh, in November. <laughs> Technically, uh, it was three months from the last one, so we're yeah, fine. yeah. <laughs> and then finally, uh, Fiction Book Club episode: Sparks's pick, Halloween. Oh, God. yeah, so yeah. 
really, really pleased with it. Uh, you know, spooky time may be over, but if you like keeping those spooky vibes around, like I do, um, you should go check out Halloween. It's a really great book. Everybody really enjoyed it. We had a wonderful conversation. I'm really proud of it. Uh, it's like a great all ages, like not, it's more spooky than spooky Halloween yeah. book. Yeah. And another time where uh, one of the authors has, has commented on liking that we've done a review. So that's awesome. Oh, really? They did? I didn't see that's that. That's always nice. That's always nice. Um, and also, yeah, Moss, Lawton, Moss Lawton was happy we did a review. Nice. Yeah. And also, to quote Gwen from Halloween, Halloween is forever! Halloween is forever. Uh, it's true. It was, a, it was a delightful book. I really enjoyed it. Um, so much so, I actually am I'm hopefully going to buy it in the near future. Nice. Uh, I will. I, I'll also address um, the the book club archives are going to come back. I'm sad that I wasn't able to get the rest of October's up before October was over, but I had to prioritize the things we were actually making new this year. Um, so the archives will resume uh, when I have the time to resume them. No problem. Um, that that's just what it is. Uh, no it was deal. more important to put out everything else. No big deal. Those yeah. those still those exist. Yeah. Yeah. I will fine. say sparks. Every time I come, because I mean, in our book club rotation, I'm always after you. There are times you pick such a great book like Halloween, and then it's my turn, and I'm like, shit. I mean, I'm not trying. I know it's not a competition, but at the same time, it's like, how can I? What book do I pick that's like on this at least on the same level? This is hard. Hey man, it's it's just a roll of the dice. Uh, it, you know. Yo, if you're going off that metric, then we should stop the book club after 20th Century Men. Because we're now, oh, I'm never yeah. going to read a book better than that in this book club. <laughs> in my like, for me, that's like the great. That's like one of the greatest comics ever made. So like, that we can't great. go off that be- metric. Then just go off the books you want to read. Who cares if yeah. it's good or not? We'll find yeah. out. Just pick a book you want to read. That's true. That's I mean, true. the book. I, I, I do. Under, I do understand the struggle for Ben because he doesn't read as much as any of us do. Yo, you man, know, you got twenty five thousand comics on Marvel Unlimited. Just you know, mm-hmm. just just pick one. Well, pick I one. do. I, I have been playing a lot of Miles Morales to and try to, to do, get myself hyper Spider-Man too, and also so I can shut these guys up who constantly bug me about it. Love you guys. I, did, I, I bug Bugs. you about it too. Why Why oh, are yeah. they singled out? Because <laughs> we Because we did it most recently. <laughs> Yeah, oh. they did. They did. But it was right, it was right. every time it was every time Ben came over to play Dead Space and he would talk about like the things on my dock, it gotta get through Jedi, gotta get through like any like, like, I wanna get to Spider-Man 2. We're all like, you gotta play Miles Morales. Yeah, you gotta play the game that came after. Uh, but um, I will say I I'm loving Miles Morales. Yeah, and also I wanna and also I am gonna pick a Miles Morales book for my um book club. Just just letting you all know it is a Miles Morales book. I'm Jones and I want the Miles stuff. Nice. All right. That's all the links in the description. Uh, please check out those those wonderful links. Uh, we work hard on these things, and we want you guys to check them out. But more than anything, we want you guys to enjoy them. So please, please do, and please enjoy. My mother is making coffee in the other room. I'm sure you guys can hear it. Um, oh. All right. So let's move on. We're going to start. We're part of this new format. You're not going to get the bread and butter intro. So Babs has been retired. Um, well, not really retired, I guess. He she's taking a nap. You know we what? Put her back in the shed, and we shot her in the head. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring her out because it just feels nice to 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 have a little yeah. Babs in the corner. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, you know the bread and butter of our podcast might not just be news now. Now it's you know whatever we're doing. That's our yeah, bread yeah. and butter. Once we're past the links, um, it's our bread and butter. Let's call the show uh, bread and butter. So, Victor uh, uh, Podcast Six Point Bread and Butter. Um, all right. Um, we have some sad news though that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go through uh, before we kind of get into some int- some other things. Uh, we're gonna keep the immorium section as is. So here you go, Tar Taraja Ramses, who is a stuntman uh, for many Marvel productions, including Black Panther, Avengers Endgame, and tons of other things. Stuntman. Yeah. Um, he passed away at the age of forty-one. 
due to a car crash that also took the lives of his 13-year-old daughter and one-month-old daughter. Oh. Yeah, that is a red is rough, man. Yeah. Do we do we know if it was like and like was it do we know if like he was driving fast or do we know like like what that what? information has yet to be released okay. with a one month old in the car i have to imagine no well I'm, i mean i'm yeah. just thinking of like paul walker and he was no, like no, no, driving no. fast and i'm yeah, just yeah, like yeah. you just never know I'm because like, because his one month yeah. old was with him it's no, yeah. just be like a, yeah i have a that's a bummer man yeah. Yeah. i i just i have a feeling that he was the one who was struck and yeah. it wasn't his fault that's um, my fe- that is my feeling that's my speculation yeah. Because of the one month old, but at the same time, that is just uh, that is heartbreaking. Not only yeah, him, but his two kids. Um, Forty one is, is way too young, and especially for a gentleman who has been in such prolific yeah. Marvel films. And I can only assume he was a he was a prolific stuntman. So that that hurts. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's one of those things where like Brandon and I both saw this one and and you don't often hear about like the stunt people being talked about when they pass and, and yeah. given their moments. So yeah, we yeah. were like, Oh, we, we should definitely talk about this one, especially because as Brandon's about to bring up, there is a GoFundMe link to support his family um, through a, this tough as... time. So if you, if you were capable, yeah, uh, that's something to consider doing. Um, because that it's is obviously a, below. Yeah. It's obviously a massive tragedy for them. And, and like 41's too young, especially for a stunt person yeah, dude. to go out. It's always unfortunate. Because uh, they put their lives on the line to make incredible entertainment. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just really, it, it, it's really a tragedy in in the purest sense of the word. Um, Richard Roundtree passed away at the age of eighty-one. Uh, Shaft. Week. Shaft. Can you dig it? Um, most recently, in in the third film titled Shaft, uh, directed. <laughs> by uh tim story uh with sam jackson and uh i forgot the other guy's name um but yeah um incredible legacy shaft is one of is one of the great cinematic icons it's true um, one yeah. of the coolest dudes around absolutely yeah richard yeah. roundtree was was an incredibly capable actor who i think didn't quite get the career he should have had in later life because it, it you know oh that's shaft yeah um and like it, it's it's one of those things where like Kind of a weird one to bring up, but if you guys remember the first season of Heroes, he's in there. Um, he's a older gentleman in the wheelchair who Peter's character is, is checking in on, taking care of. Oh. And um, it was kind of like a more subdued thing, but Roundtree didn't get the opportunity to do a lot with that, but he did a lot with it he's, in that performance. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it outright <laughs> just to get something wrong, but he is in Georgia the Jungle as like one of the funny guys who's like who's like talking yes. with the group yes and it's and yes you're right he, is. Um, he has a lot of small roles that like you don't think about until something like this happens and like he has such a huge filmography like yeah that's a, yeah it's a, he's he's a, he was a really cool guy he's I, the he's the one who tells he was like telling thomas and church they only speak swahili yeah 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 i i wish the most recent shaft movie was good because i would have liked him to have gone out on like a um, uh, as Shaft, like and it's note. like multiple generations of Shaft. Like that's supposed to be like yeah. that could have been a really cool movie. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, but uh, but he's good in it, and he is always he's always good in anything he does. As Brian said, he was very funny. Um, yeah, it's gonna it's it's it is, he was eighty one years old though. His legacy is cemented. Eighty one is pretty good innings. Um, yeah, but it's still sad. Yeah, um, incredible career. Yeah, uh, could have been could have been more incredible through no fault of his own. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Mole, who our audience will most will 
mostly know him as the voice of Two-Face from Batman the Animated Series, but he had a prolific film and TV career up until I think the mid-2000s when he started doing some low-budget fare. Um, but he still did a few, he still popped up in a few things, mostly DC Relay because of that kind of legacy that he had um, as Two-Face. Um, but he passed away at the age of 80. Now, this is the third Batman animated series alum we've lost this year. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. It's unfortunately like that that time, yeah. because like you know that's just thirty years old now, and a lot of those people were already older in all those roles. <clears throat> yeah, uh, and it's like that's that's the thing about growing up, man. Like a lot of our yeah. famous f- favorite people, they get old. <laughs> like that's yeah. it sucks. If if I may, when I was a kid, I remember going to Blockbuster, and there were times we would rent out a bunch of um, you know we would rent movies and we would rent other stuff because I actually had a VHS tape. My brother and I, we both had only two VHS tapes of Batman animated series, but those labeled as the Adventures of Batman Robin. Mm-hmm. I had the Robin tape. My brother had the Joker tape. But one of my favorite tapes that I would always rent from Blockbuster, whatever I saw it, was the Two-Face one. Because I thought Two-Face was such a cool character. I thought he was so... He actually became one of my favorite Batman villains as a kid, just because I thought how awesome it was where everything about him was split down the middle. Like, that even um continued on to tommy lee jones portrayal of him in batman forever and of course a lot of other stuff when i read i like if two faces in it i'm more attracted to it because of that love two face as a kid to your to your to what you're saying like in in a lot of our generation's cases when we became comic book readers um the voices we heard in our heads were the voices from Batman, the animated series. I've always talked about how Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman that I hear when I'm reading Batman comics. Richard Mole is the voice of Two-Face that I hear when I'm reading Two-Face, when I'm reading Two-Face in comic books. Um, They they were that iconic, you know, that show, there's a reason why it's withheld, withstood the test of time. There's a a lot of great writing in it, a lot of great animation, but a lot of great voice work. Um, These characters, these actors brought those characters to life in a really, in in a way that was unheard of at that time. Yeah. That like, when you, when you look at that series, man, like, like when you think of these characters, like you think of Kevin Conroy, Batman, like when you think of like, oh, who is your Batman? It's this guy. Who do you think the Joker is? It's from that show. Like yeah. I, this is, this is, I think the best Two-Face we've gotten. Like I love the the Dark Knight, but like he's not in that movie very much, right? He's barely Two-Face at the end. Like <laughs> this is like our definitive Two-Face for now. And I'm like, yeah. man, like that show really, like the further we get from it, like I feel like it only gets better. Yeah. You know, just how like how like groundbreaking it was for like the 90s, man. It's very like, seminal. Yeah, it's yeah. very seminal. Yeah. One of the reasons why I love the long Halloween so much is because of the Two-Face arc. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And that sure. has a great ending to it. But I mean, just um, just the actor's portrayal of Two-Face in the animated series, it was just so, man, it was like, even like looking back on episodes where he was Harvey Dent before Two-Face and the Lightning of Flash, you would see the design that they had because of his split personality disorder. And it was just so like, is this guy like when you're a kid you're like is he a bad guy is he not a bad guy he has a normal face but then he gets hit with the acid and you see his true colors and it just you you feel for him what i love about the animated series so much is that a lot of times you feel for the villains and yeah there's some villains like the joker who is like no this guy's just a bad guy he's funny but he's just a bad guy but there are villains like mr freeze two-face where he's like no they are tragic beings they are Shakespearean yeah. characters who have met with tragedy and they turn to a life of crime because they just can't help it. Yeah, Maul did a really good job of 
kind of creating his own Jekyll and Hyde out of Two Face. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was looking at I was looking at um the voice cast for the Arkham games, and I was like, it's not he he doesn't voice uh, Two Face in Arkham City, and I just make sure it's Troy Baker. But I'm like, man, that really could have been a perfect trifecta if you like if you just brought everybody back because I got Hamill and I got Conroy, and I'm like. I mean that's that, that's a good two face performance, but I'm like I'm just thinking, and, man, if it was like just the whole cast, that would have been. Asylum is Arlene Sorkin's last last role as uh, Harley. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, man, like yeah. it, that would have been nice if if he could have been in those games too. Just like make the whole package feel like, man, it's just it's just my friends again. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, he, you know, I always remember the the dichotomy in his voice, his, his very smooth talking Har- uh, Harvey Dent voice, and then his very rough. Uh, um two-faced voice and there's there's a clip that that rolled around um that i really liked which was uh one of the first two-faced episodes after the after he was hit with the acid he was talking to the two twins and he and he you know he's splitting the money and he's like oh you you kids were great even when like he he's like he's still he's still trying to work for the law but now he knows he has to work against the law and the the way that that vocal performance works is so interesting and there's such a, a deep sadness to it uh, and it, it doesn't work without without the vocal performance and richard mole was it was incredible um and it, it, i always thought two-face was much like lex Luthor. by the way i always thought that the the animated the animated universe version of two-face and lex Luthor were black um mm. Because I I do believe while not in well maybe intentional I think they are coded that way. Um, sure. So I was a little surprised to because I never saw Richard Mole's face before. Um, I, I was a little surprised to see that he wasn't. Um, but yeah, still incredible legacy. Everyone on that show has an incredible legacy that we're just gonna we're just gonna keep uh, admiring for decades to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then finally, Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry, Chandler Bing on Friends uh, himself, uh, uh, 10 seasons of that show. He passed away at the age of 54 due to a cardiac arrest in a hot tub that caused him to drown. Yeah. Um, That's rough. That is really, really rough. This man has had a tough life, drug addiction. Uh, He was in and out of rehabs all throughout the run of Friends. Talked about it on the reunion uh, special that happened a few years ago. Um, You know... Chandler Bing's like one of the best characters on TV. Uh, he's, he's incredibly funny. Um, everyone wanted to be that character when they were watching the show on, on, on air. Um, he still has some of the best clips online. It, 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 does, it, 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 his career never quite, never quite like became the superstardom. I kind of, he probably hoped it had, but he had some great roles under his belt. Like, the whole nine and 10 yards are great movies. Um, I really like 17 again. I think that movie is awesome. Um, yeah. uh, with Zach Efron, uh, I, his film performances when he was, when he was there, he was so good. He's um, this is not fun. a lot of people know that not a lot of people know this cause they don't play video games, but he was a big video game person. And he, in an interview explained how much he loved Bethesda games and how much he loved games like Skyrim and fallout. When Bethesda heard that or excuse obsidian, uh, who made Fallout New Vegas? He's a primary character in Fallout New Vegas. If you play that game, his voice is all over that game. Um, awesome. and that's really great. Like, uh, and that doesn't often happen. It's like, oh yeah, I love games. I'll be in your game. I'll get paid for cheap just because I love games. Uh, and that's just a cool little anecdote that like he had a whole other side uh, of an industry that not a lot of people even know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you have Chandler at the top of it that that everyone will think of. But um, I think of the Friends 
cast, he's one of the best at uh, taking on other performances. Maybe that's opportunity um, more than anything, but yeah. like it's him and Courtney Cox who I think have the best outside of Friends careers. Um, and him pretty far out, like you already said, Whole Nine and Ten Yards, which are two favorites of mine mm -hmm. um, and my dad's uh, that were so, so good. Um, Fools Rush In with Selma Hayek mm, is an yeah, incredible yeah, yeah. film oh, with yeah, Matthew yeah. Perry and one of his favorites that he ever got to do. Uh, and then Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip is also like a show, wonderful, yeah. wonderful little single season I never, of television. I never saw that. That was with um, Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford. Yeah. Yeah. By Aaron, by Aaron Sorkin. And he's he's very good in it. He's very good in the way that he interplays with Bradley Whitford. They're they're quite a pair. Um, I think Matthew he had Perry like, even though even a, though he doesn't get like a ton of, of range, he has a lot of chops to adapt to the roles that he got to be in, whether it was Whole Nine, Whole Ten, something like Fools Rush In or uh, or Studio 60. I think those are some in, of his greatest works. I think I think two episodes of The West Wing. Uh, he's very good in those. Sure. Yeah, uh, it's he's he was very, very talented. I, I have a quote. Uh, he's obviously one of the most famous people alive for being in Friends. And like, that's something yeah. he can never escape from, even though he wanted to. I love this quote that he gave because he did a lot of outreach for for addiction and rehabilitation and stuff. And that was like yes. his big, like the thing he did a lot in the last part of his career. He's like, when I die, as, as my so as my so-called so accomplishments go, it would be nice if Friends were listed far behind the things I did to try to help other people. Yeah. I know it won't happen, but it would be nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just like a beautiful human being because like he... He is on like one of the most. I'm not a Friends guy, but like he is on one of the most popular shows of all time, um, and like he he is good in that show. Like I think everyone's good in that show, but like to, to be like you know like I'm really famous, but like I don't. I'd rather be known for like my humanitarian efforts is like incredibly nice and humble and beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> like like wanting own... to help people, uh, like the struggles that he went through. Like yeah. that's something I I really relate to. Like it's 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 really nice. Because of his own struggles with addiction, he he wanted yeah. to help other people, and that that is an accomplishment that that is, I mean, it, it it's beyond words, right? You know, mm -hmm. Wanting to do something like that. No, he's he he really he really tried to put the resources at his disposal towards helping other people who were having the same struggles as him, and like his his life was filled with those kind of difficulties a, a a foundation has already been set up in his name yeah for for rehabilitation since it's, yeah. since it's bad um yeah. and unfortunately i didn't know much of matthew perry's work because i know i do know he was in 17 again i never knew about the video game stuff but the thing i mean obviously i know him from friends but i'm like like brian said i'm not a friends guy there have been a few times i've went i'm at work it's my last break and they changed to channel five because friends is on reruns all the time and when I would essentially just, I'm on my phone, but a lot of the times when there's scenes with Chandler, Monica, or Matthew Perry, and him just cracking all these jokes, I'm just like, he's amazing. He is fun. I actually care more about some of the Chandler Bing arcs in that show as compared to, of course, Ross and Rachel and all the other stuff. Because Chandler is, he's like, I, I like him. I like him a lot. And yeah, yes, he is the jokester. He is the one with the sarcastic wit. He is the one with the sharp, with the good, with the witty one-liners. But then when you get to like more serious scenes in the show, he has great moments with it. Like this, when he's trying to, I or also there's also funny moments like when he kisses Monica and then he has to kiss both Phoebe and Rachel because he doesn't want them to find out that they're dating. <laughs> That's really uh, funny. <laughs> to to Ben's point, 
Um, one of my favorite performances from Matthew Perry does exist inside of Friends. Um, and it's it's stuck with me ever since the first time I saw it because I, I think it was just so far out of left field away from what he usually does with the character. And it's when he proposes to Monica. Um, sure. Because what happens is if you if you're unfamiliar or don't remember um monica finds out that chandler's planning to propose so she beats him to it but she can't get through it because it's making her cry so um matthew perry as chandler has to take over and he attempts to but he also starts to cry through it and not only was it an incredible performance that kind of emotional vulnerability for a straight male character on a show at the time usually didn't fly but there was something about it that they allowed it to go for like one of the most popular shows at the time. They were going to let Chandler cry. The men on Friends don't really cry on that show. I think this is one of only two times that it happens. It, it only ever happens as a joke when Joey cries. That's like the right. most that that's as a man he's the one who gets And that's like and that's like a joke like he's not really crying. Perry is yeah. actually like emotionally in the performance which is yes. why it's so impactful is this sensitivity that he's playing. Um, and it's one of the strongest things I think he's ever done in his career. As much as I like a lot of other things that are outside of Friends, I do think that particular scene is really remarkable for the show, the time period that it's in. Um, no one else has a moment like that in Friends. Yeah. Uh, so really, really incredible stuff from Perry. Yeah. And also, my... oh, go ahead. Sorry, I just want to say, because I, I didn't watch the Friends reunion, but I do remember um, Sparks and Ryan talking about it. And I believe it was Sparks who said that one of the best moments of that reunion was when Matthew was saying that whenever they're at a function with their, their wives, the significant others or whatever, and they realize one of their castmates is there, they apologize to their date and they just go straight to their castmate and they ask how they're doing because they spend the whole rest of the night with them. I remember and, that like it was yesterday. And... <laughs> Ryan doesn't didn't watch. Ben, I had never watched Friends. Friends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're I, thinking of Brandon. Brandon, watched I watched Friends. the Friends reunion. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, but that moment, but just hearing that quote, it makes me happy because you he, you see these TV shows that lasted for so long, and you you hope that they are cool and they are like at least cordial in real life. But the fact that that entire core cast is still such a tight knit group that even when they go do other stuff, they all champion and they support each other. And it's, it's nice to see that. Yeah. The show is, the show was kind of real in a bit, in a way, cause they are friends. Like the, um, they put it on the news after when, when they were talking about his passing, that all the care uh, that all the actors, the surviving cast members were like, we're going to take our, this time to grieve in our own way because mm -hmm. he was such a big part of our lives. And yeah, it just it makes me happy that they didn't hate each other because so many it, it kind of breaks your heart when you hear that oh yeah so and so they hated each other on set but they had to act like lovers on camera and then Tyler they were Simpson all in the rock mm. yeah. lovers enemies yeah but um, yeah. my favorite my favorite one of my favorite jokes in Friends is always um it's not even a joke that he does it's just something that happens it's when david schwimmer is answering the call and it's his it's his wife from london and he and he's like oh my god oh my god she's calling she got she got i got it and he for whatever reason david schwimmer picks up a lamp and just hands it to matthew perry and that wasn't planned it was just david schwimmer just picked up a lamp and just handed it to matthew perry for no reason and matthew perry's just like he's just kind of like why am i holding this lamp <laughs> yeah and like, I really, really, that joke always cracks me up. Um, 
there's so many great there's so many incredible moments in friends that i just constantly go back to he has the last line in the whole series uh, which is when they're leaving monica and chandler's apartment for the last time they're like we should go eat one last time before we we go off <laughs> and he just goes where like they're not just yeah. gonna go to central perk um very funny stuff he's uh, an incredible incredibly funny person two two things off uh what you guys were saying is um i haven't read his book um but i i've heard people give anecdotes and one of the things i i learned that people have been getting from it is that um jennifer anderson was actually one of the p- major people who like behind the scenes was championing and being like kind of sponsor-esque for matthew perry uh behind the scenes through friends nice um which is really really cool to learn um because you just don't really know that unless they share that Mm -hmm. um yeah and uh uh in in regards to what you were saying there's obviously like there's a lot of bloopers out there if you want to see like matthew perry um giving them shit all the time when he thought they did a weird line read and he'll like repeat the thing they did uh in the next take (laughs) it's like (laughs) And like what was that and it makes everybody crack up um, there's the one that i love when, where it's for whatever reason like um courtney cox walks over and she's just looking at the camera delivering her line so like the yes. next take matthew perry's just yes into the yeah. camera <laughs> yeah he he clearly he clearly liked to play around and have fun um yeah but yeah i think i think of of the friends cast members um aside from courtney cox obviously appearing in scream um, Matthew Perry has one of the the broadest uh, like career paths that I'm most interested in seeing because a lot of the other projects he ended up in I find more capable of displaying what he can do uh, than Friends was, um, and I, I'm really glad he got those opportunities. But obviously, like what a life of of difficulty to end in such a tragic way. Yeah, yeah. Forest is too young. Yeah, yeah. Fifty four is too young. I'm, I mean, I I'm sad that he passed away. But I'm because I was talking to a coworker and she was just talking about. It. I was like, "Oh, it's probably drugs. He probably died from drugs." And what I I was like, "I really hope not," because the details weren't released. But the fact that now it sucks because cardiac arrest, heart attack, which leads you to drowning in your own hot tub. You, of course, just hearing that died in a hot tub is like, okay, what was he doing? Was he back on drugs or whatever? But yeah. it's a cardiac arrest, so it's like thankfully it's not on drugs. But at the same time, it's a it's a heartbreaking way because it was just. I guess it was just his time and it sucks because he was very young. And I mean, well, and it's a lot of, you know, what, what those addictions did to his body as part of what right, he's that right. cardiac arrest at yeah. that age is, is, you know, yeah. uh, he is, he, he put just, a lot of strain on your body. It's not going to yeah. be as healthy. Yeah. He put a lot on it and it's, it's really sad. Yeah. Um, it's, it's still sad. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, a couple of strike updates. Sure. Well, there's not really a lot to say about the strike this this past two weeks. There's a lot of back and forth between the AMPTP and, and SAG. SAG's been very transparent about who's given who what proposal to who. Um, yeah. There's a lot of talk about how they can't, they couldn't find uh, middle ground on like AI yet. And cor- Correct me if I'm wrong, but this last week they sat on it for six AMPTP. Sat on yeah. it for six days, didn't they? The last proposal yeah. before bringing this one back to the table. And then I give them yeah. an hour. Yeah. And it was the 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 one that was given, you know, much like the WGA. This is the best, last, and final. Now, in fairness, the last time they said this, the WGA did ratify that contract. Uh, it was sure. a, it ended up being a very good contract. So you've got to hope that that's what happened here. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I, they've been very uh, clear that they're not going to go for anything. They've all been striking like this. They're not going to go for anything less than what they know they need. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I really hope that they hold through that despite the pressure from A-listers and things like that. Yeah, uh, apparently that's what uh, broke the WGA strike last time. Uh, the the 2007, 2008 strike was um, 30, I, I was just read the story, like 30 like rich, high profile writers like just told them, like, end the strike, be done with this or we're scabbing. Um, yeah. And that, that when you when you are up there and you have that power, that to use that against your union, that's wrong. Um, it is. And and luckily, there's been enough A-listers in SAG that are supportive of mm -hmm. the strike um, that have been combating the ones that aren't. Um, so that's right. very that's very nice to see. Mm -hmm. I, it's just crazy that like we're we're at this point again. We're like, man, I guess there's no more movies are getting made again. Crazy how this yeah. keeps happening. Like crazy Hollywood. Wonder what'll happen next week. And they they pushed a couple of films. Penguin has been pushed. That's not a film, but it's, it was pushed. The Quiet Place was pushed. Uh, uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part Two was pushed to next year. Uh, sorry, ne not next year. It was always next year, but twenty five. Yeah. Um, which goddamn. They... And with that, and with that goes the last of the. Hey, we filmed these uh, close to each other. We're doing a part one and then a part two. Um, the last of those that was like, yeah, it'll come out the following year has now been pushed out so yeah. you're waiting more than a year no matter what you do that was the only one that we actually believed was going to make it all the way obviously the other ones that set us up were like fast x which <laughs> and <No>. spiders <laughs> that <Fast> movie <laughs> spot yeah, spider verse is not coming out until like 2030 we still like... don't know if they're actually making two more sequels to fast x or not vin thinks though i, bet. I know he does. he's the only oh, yeah. one <laughs> he had said anything else i don't even like I don't even know where that movie exists at this moment. Good lord. Fast, Fast X, because because the the first one it was they said they were they were, potentially Universal was like let's make three of these let's make Fast X Part Three and then a Hobbs movie was announced to lead into Fast X Part Two. So there are potentially three films yet to be filmed to uh, to to uh, get off the cliffhanger from Fast X. That Hobbs one is easy though because that's just The Rock making an action movie. Like you can slip that in, but depending, like doing like on... Fast X two, like doing Infinity War again, like yo man, that's a budget. You yeah. Gotta get Gal Gadot in the ocean get, with a but submarine. You wanna, but you want to get like Fast X two out soon, yeah. And like that Hobbs movie, ideally they probably wanted that out sometime next year, and that's yeah. not happening. Mm. That's twenty twenty five. So Fast X two is probably twenty twenty six. God, The Rock's got to be Big Maui. He's got to be Big Maui first. That's what's his name, Maui. What's his name? Maui. Yeah, Maui. Maui. Oh, it's Maui. Yeah. 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 yeah, cool. Got it right. I forgot about the Moana live action movie. Scheduling, um, scheduling is going to be interesting to. because there's a lot of projects where like that's a big one. Like you got some of these high profile people who like the contract stuff that fell bumping up to each other. Schedules are going to have to be. And I guarantee like, you, the Rock will choose. The Rock will choose Moana before he'll do another boss. Like, guaranteed. Like yo, he, you push that, push it. He um, so not sorry that the Rock uh, Sparks is right about the schedule thing. We're going to see a lot of films um that were on the docket be canceled at this point and we already are seeing this um there even that was even a threat that the amptp was like if you don't end the strike now we'll cancel it. and it's like well it's your fault that the strike is happening so you know <laughs> don't throw stones at glass houses and glass houses um and he and and, and uh one of the things that that has popped up uh, as far as like as far as in my circles is the community movie um they found about three months where their contracts lined up they might not find that again that community movie might be dead um which which would really suck but hey yeah. you know again if that's the sacrifice to get these people what the, what they're worth that's that's the sacrifice again the amptp using that as leverage to end the strike it's their fault they mm -hmm. are the they are the reason why these people are striking um yeah. 
it, 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 they can end it at any time. And hopefully this best and final is the one that ends it because, uh, because it get and especially because it gets them what, what the, the, what Sapper is asking for. Right. We hope. We hope. Um, Sparks, you wanted to bring up other things though about this, the <laughs> VFX, uh, not VFX, uh, animation, right? Yes. Uh, just real quick. Um, so we've known about the Disney, Walt Disney Animation Studios. Animators have voted successfully to unionize with TAG. That was months ago. You can still sign petitions to support them, but um, Iger continues to not acknowledge it. Uh, now, um, the production workers, so this is not the animators, but the production workers, people who work in post-production, all the other stuff that's you know around it that's not the animation, they have now at Disney, uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios, they have now voted in a in a majority to unionize with IOTS. Uh, so now it's happening on both fronts <laughs> at that studio right now. Cool. Um, so now we're same as we were talking about with the visual effects workers. It's going to be a few months of waiting for them to acknowledge before they'll start releasing petitions as well. Um, if they don't get acknowledged for yes, they will be allowed to unionize because they have voted in such a high majority. So uh, now that's happening in two places at that studio. Get that we money. Are, we are staring down the barrel of another double strike next year, and that's very double exciting. Strike. We yeah. could potentially see TAG and VFX union workers uh, go on strike, especially if the VFX workers can unionize and coordinate a strike. That'll be huge. Um, yes. And I desperately want to see it happen. I do too. Yeah, but it, it, it at at any rate, I'm I'm like 100 percent certain that tag is going to strike next year. <laughs> I don't. I got it. God damn it! I don't know if this is if you're joking or not, uh, uh, Princess Bakabani. I just hope Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey Two doesn't get pushed back. Something <laughs> should just be buried, if you ask me. <laughs> I can't believe they're making a sequel to that. Well, here's the thing: that first one cost like seven dollars to me. And it made nine dollars. So, like, that's the thing about low budget movies, man. <laughs> it made a profit of two dollars. Made a profit. Uh, yeah, it's uh, but this is this is very encouraging. This is very great news in terms of like more people wanting to embrace unionization. This is this is moving in a good direction. Um, importantly, you know, it's not again, it's not in our field, but it is important to note all three of those uh, auto worker companies. They all won their strike. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, they they got the contracts they wanted. Um, that was a massive, massive thing. That's a massive thing in the labor movement. It's not as much pertaining to the things we usually talk about, but it's huge for unionization in our country. The more, the more unions that win, no matter what area it is, like the the stronger other people feel to strike up and to yeah. strike out. And like, yo, they can get it. They can get it. Whether it's cars or visual effects or actors, everybody deserves the money. Everyone suffers. Everyone deserves to win. Raise everyone. Everyone. everyone... Um, there's this horrible thinking in capitalism that um, uh, the, the 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 ladder, right? You, you move up the ladder and you leave everyone else behind because it's a kill or be killed uh, mentality. But um, that the union is the union is very much take the elevator and hold the elevator door open for everybody. Right, and 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 that's a much and that within a capitalistic system, that's a really toxic idea because you end up. Um, screwing people out of the things that you are benefiting from. And everyone deserves a living wage. Everyone deserves to be respected in their workplace. Everyone deserves um, all these all these things. And uh, only way 
uh, that we can see that happening at this point with how greedy these corporations have gotten is through unionization, because mm -hmm. otherwise uh, these corporations will take advantage of you and they will never not take the opportunity to take advantage of you. Well, yeah. Um, it's Princess Sparkle Bunny. I'm not kidding. The first one was one of the best horror movies of 2023. Listen, I'm, All right. I'm really happy you like it. Uh, what, 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 what horror movie came Cobweb. out this year? Co what? Amy, watch Cobweb. It's on Hulu? Yeah. It's on Hulu. It's a great Lizzie Kaplan, the guy from home, the guy from the boys' homelanders in it, their evil parents. Watch, watch Cobweb. Get back to us. Anthony Starr? Anthony Starr. Thank you. Nice. Um, yeah, so... I, 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 I'm very happy to see all this kind of unionization talk. And Ryan is right. Like the, the more unions that win their strikes, the more people feel empowered to go on strike and, and win themselves because what was, what's the quote? Uh, a, a, the rising sea lifts all or something like that. Like rising tide yeah. raises all ships. Yep. Yeah. Rising tide raises all ships. Yeah, uh, d definitely. And, and that's what we're seeing now. And it's, and it's really great. It's really empowering. It, it's just, so wonderful to see yeah i really i really hope and i hope this helps because this is going to put because it's the same studio this is going to put added pressure on Iger to acknowledge the animators who have been waiting for the acknowledgement of their unionization as well yeah. um so this is this is going to be stronger in that regard since we're talking Iger, let's just real quick get this one done too um uh, that i i wanted to get a, a just you know we've talked about it for a while and it's happening um disney is is officially moving forward with purchasing all of hulu from comcast yes. yeah yeah Yes. Uh, nobody's surprised eight, about yeah. this was no. inevitable. No, it's like eight million dollars or something like that. Something eight, like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, this was always the plan. Um yeah. we we knew this was the plan when they bought their share from I believe it was Warner Brothers. Um uh and they because what they had Fox. Just a quick history. When when Disney bought Fox, they also bought the 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 like the, like I think it was like 30, 40% share of hulu that Fo that fox had four companies had share in hulu and so disney had that so disney then bought warner's share which is a small share it was like 20 some, some percent or something like that and so they bought that outright they were just like well we'll take that but universal was the holdout and universal was like no we want to keep hulu because they hadn't they hadn't watched peacock yet they were waiting for they were they knew it was in the pipeline but it hadn't happened yet so they wanted to keep kind of a foothold in the streaming in the streaming spaces um yeah so and so they entered a deal with Disney saying that at, uh, at a certain point, uh, when we're, when our contract is up, we will, we will sell you our share of, of Hulu. Um, now it's happening a little bit earlier than what has happened. Universal, uh, Disney has made a, has made a bid and Universal is, is just saying, yeah, okay. Because we've got Peacock now. Um, so it's like something, eight, eight, I think it was like the full total was like $8.97 million in total. And, and then Disney will just. Million or billion. Hulu. I think it's million because that seems eight million that's, for Hulu seems way too low. That's million? Yeah, that seems very cheap. Okay. I feels like a B. I feels like a big B. Well, why are you? Why, because you were talking sparks. Why don't you? Why don't you look it up? And I'll, I'll, why, why don't you say what you're doing? And I'll look it up. Um, um, the only other thing I was going to say about it is that my my we knew this was going to happen, but I am because of like the climate we talked about with Iger and stuff. I do wonder if they're making this move to buy Hulu in full in order to sell it. Mm. Well, as far, uh, Ryan was right to call me out on that one. It is billion. It is eight point six one billion is the full total. I don't think they're gonna uh, immediately sell it. I think that is like, yo, know, we got Disney Plus for all of our. No, it won't be a turnaround that quick. Um, but but we we talked about this earlier when like yeah. Iger, they were saying like Iger's gonna sell Disney, and I'm like, I don't believe Iger will sell all of Disney to anybody. Yeah, but I do believe he might sell off pieces. 
purchasing Hulu now gives him the opportunity that down the line when he's ready sure. to to option it off. And I do wonder if that's part of the motivation um, to because we know that they'd also been like weighing doing this uh, yeah. or not. I, I'm curious what the plan is for Hulu, because as more kind of adult fare comes to Disney Plus, I am curious why Hulu is necessary for Disney's um, for Disney's empire. Well, you put yeah. FX on Disney, on Disney Plus. I, I, see, that's the thing, like... Uh... I like I have because uh, in other countries they have like they, like Disney does have considerably more stuff on their yeah. on their service than we do. That's because like I don't know it's weird licensing stuff in other countries. But like there are things you know like like the Predator franchise and like my favorite show it's always, it's always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is on like its 16th season, which is only on Hulu FX. Like there's no reason that can't be on Disney. Like the optics of Disney being like a family friendly company, like. They're, they're still there but now we have like daredevil and shit on but even like, that's like changing as you mentioned yeah. with daredevil logan uh echo. deadpool uh echoes coming out next coming out soon all those are on disney plus um yeah. and, and so like what is what is the what is the point of having hulu and i'm just so and and you're you're right at this at this point it is just fx i think uh, but why can't that just be moved into disney plus i think that there is a belief and i don't think it's entirely wrong from the average consumer that um, there are people who will have Hulu who won't have Disney. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because and and I've heard this from coworkers uh, that like they they think of having Disney Plus as having a thing that you have if you have kids. Yeah, yeah. interesting. And like sure. if you have a family and yeah. that like you get a Disney Plus streaming service, like it's worth paying for if you have kids. Like it's a great investment if you have children. But if you don't have children, Hulu um, is more a worthwhile investment. It's more Disney a, Plus adult featured to, right now to yeah. them. And the thing is like. Would combining the two get them more subscribers and make them more money? And right now, I'd say probably not. Mm-hmm. Keeping them separate probably earns them more money, even if there are people who are either double dipping or getting the bundle or just doing them separately. Yeah, putting them together probably makes them less. Uh, because it, especially if you abandon the Hulu name, like Hulu's still attached to like enough kind of like programming that you'd be interested in things like people will think like hulu that has handmade sale it has this, this certain type of thing that hulu originals do that i'm willing to go check out that if you put it under the umbrella and say well that's on disney plus now people will be like this is disney plus though yeah yeah it's a weird it's a weird like that's like a weird mental thing like i like i i 100 get that even though again like we're again, getting a new marvel show that's like super rated out with murder but, but that's, like that's the kids program but that's definitely like very i think understandable to a consumer who like doesn't look at all the shit that we look at to have these conversations yeah. about it and all that kind of stuff they just look at uh hulu's going away i guess i don't have hulu anymore they don't think oh that means i should get disney plus it's also one of those things where like Hulu has so much stuff on it. If you just lump it in with Disney Plus, then Disney Plus has literally like thirty thousand things, and it'll get lost in the shuffle. It will. Whereas but that's what they have in other countries, as you mentioned, Ryan. Like yeah. because because Disney because when when Disney bought Fox, they also bought Star, which Star, was a yeah. streaming service in, in in Europe and other play, in other countries in the world that they did merge into Disney Plus. So all of that stuff that we have on Hulu is on Disney Plus everywhere else. Yeah, I think I think there's also just a there's a very American uh, style of uh, you know willingness to be able to sift through stuff that is different it, than than international audience, especially like we have more streaming services mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. in our country than they do there, and that does mean that we have gotten and it's been that way for a long time. So we have acclimated to 
going certain places for certain things. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it is a mentality of like, you have to think about the consumer who doesn't think about this stuff and just wants to click on the thing and watch the thing they're looking for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it better to combine these things? Probably not right now. There might yeah. be a point down the road where it makes more sense. But right now, just offering a bundle of Hulu and Disney so like you can jump between the two streaming services, that kind of makes more sense. Yeah, sure. Make more money, certainly. But I think it like let's I don't want to spend too much time on this, but um mm -hmm. in the hypothetical that they were going to sell Hulu, I have no idea who would buy it. I yeah, that's yeah. I don't um Comcast. <laughs> because really yeah. all you're buying at that point, right, is it's like the content is the Hulu originals. Yeah. Yes. If they're not selling Fox with it, so they're not selling FX and that stuff, it's just Hulu originals. And yeah. I don't know who wants that. Netflix? God, Sony, no. it doesn't have a streaming service at this point, but I don't see why they would want one. Right. I yeah. hope they don't. I don't know. One. Well, Sony, <laughs> we've talked. There's been a lot of talk about this before. Like, you know, there's kind of jokingly, Sony has won the streaming wars by not having a streaming service because they could just make stuff that everything is that they could just license out to, and they're just right. You know, yeah, but the shit they make is more. You know what? You know what? If we're only, <laughs> if we are only talking about Hulu originals, and that's it, Apple TV probably. Yeah. Oh, that's a good they point. They could afford it, and that content kind of slips right into their mold. Yeah. It yeah. Does. They the stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, Sony. Um, you know, recently Sony made a deal with like Amazon Prime to make the Spider-Man shows, and then another deal with Disney Plus to put the Spider-Man movies on Disney Plus. So like, they just like whatever, man. Just give us money. Absolutely. I mean, it's across I think Sony has Sony. Sony knows that they have the the best avenue right now because they don't have the content library to justify a streaming no. service and they know it yeah. they know yeah. that there's nobody who's going to get like on top of everything else that's out there they're like why get into that competition we don't need to do that we can yeah. just license out our stuff and they have for a like, reasonable price we have content that people yeah. want on their services they have arguably charge. like the most like like the biggest profile character in spider-man where they could probably yeah. make just as much money just oh, make, licensing him alone they make a lot of money off of like the bid for who gets across the spider-verse yeah, yeah and that was netflix yeah. that won it uh that that got that bid but like sony's definitely making some big bank off netflix for having yeah. that because netflix knows that's going to get views true yeah because it's an amazing movie i almost watched it the other night 100 percent. um there's another thing that happened with disney this 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 week there's a couple of weeks right that they took off of uh, some of the shows or was that Warner Brothers? That was Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, yeah. Um, they're all the same I, these I days. I think we're trying to do a segue into it. I, 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 I'm I with you. you. I'm yeah. with you and we're in the same vein of like, what are what have people been doing with things? And I'll, I'll tell you, it's Zaslav. Zaslav is is with Warner's. He's shuttering uh, more cartoons from any digital purchasing. So um, this hasn't happened yet, but it, it, we know it's coming now. Um, effectively, these things will be removed for good. So these are things that have been taken off Max. Um, some of them have been available on Hulu, not all of them. Some of them have been available on Amazon. And now purchase. they're taking away the per the right to even buy it. Right. That's so it will be it will be pulled off Hulu and it will no longer exist for digital purchase. Amazon or on iTunes. Uh, the, the titles are Infinity Train, OKKO, Victor and Valentino, Tegan Seek, and The Fun Guys. Uh, all of those will be taken away. But so, OKKO and Infinity Train are popular shows. Yeah. What the hell? Because yeah, Zaslav is the incarnation of Satan himself. Again, like, there's no tax write-off benefit to this because... It's a storage. The, it's the a storage. Show, the shows <laughs> have existed. It's Yeah, it's purely like saving the money on, like, licensing aye, aye, aye. and stuff. Um, so, yes, in the near future, 
you will no longer be able to purchase Infinity Train digitally anywhere. Uh, OKKO OK anywhere. Oh, that, wa that he's a wild and, man. And neither of them have full DVD uh, releases. Um, Infinity Train's whole first season is out, but uh, I think not its whole second season, only half. And OKKO OK only has one DVD of um, a selection of episodes out. Wild. Zaslav, there's a there's same with a Victor and Valentino, by the way, which is a it's another great cartoon I've never talked about about before. But Victor and Valentino is really cool. It's um, uh, Latin American um, inspired. Uh, these two boys um, basically dealing with um, spooky spirits all the time. I'm into it. There's a there's a, a scoop a, a scooper I think talked about how uh, this is not something that Universal wants. I want to be. Well, that we don't at this point we don't know but it, it, it there's a scoop that came out that zaslav is interested in selling warner brothers to comcast so universe right. studios right. and on some level the if we see all of what zaslav has been doing since he got in charge of warner brothers it does make sense that he's doing it to sell the company maybe not to universal but certainly to someone um but selling it to universal and there's no saying that Universal is even interested um, because they might not even be. But it does. It, it, it Zaslav. The reason why I bring it up is because Zaslav was the person. It was one hundred and ten thousand percent not the person to ever run a legacy company like this. No, Warner he never should have. Never care about legacy. No. No, Warner Brothers yeah. has been around for one hundred years this year, and he is destroying. He's it. cutting. I, cutting it to pieces. I have to I, tell you, I kind of. I kind of hope. I kind of want Comcast or uh, Paramount. Who owns Paramount? Viacom. Uh, well, uh, CBS, Viacom. I kind of want one of them to purchase Warner's. I'm not going to lie, because I think yeah. they would leave Warner Brothers as, like, not like Disney did, where it kind of took away 20th Century Fox and put it under its umbrella as, like, 20, 20th uh, Century Studios. Studios and all that yeah. stuff. I think it would keep Warner Brothers Studios, keep Warner Animation, and just reap the benefits of of more content that it puts out through the studio um especially universal i kind of see the path because you think about it like they they already have the harry potter world and universal studios parks you get more warner brothers content that you can put into that into that kind of theme park yeah merchandising all that kind of yeah. stuff tying in universal and warner brothers that makes a lot of sense to me if they can um i just don't want to need more consolidation <laughs> no i don't i don't right. want it okay. i don't want it either but I do want someone who respects what Warner Brothers makes yeah. to run yeah, the I show. And if that. that takes someone, another studio, another company that owns another studio owning that studio too. Um, I don't think like, I don't think Universal or Paramount are such ginormous powerhouses necessarily that uh, having Warner Brothers with them is the end of the world. I know it's not great. I know no, it's, it's not. not. But, but um, I don't think it's any worse than where Disney has gotten to comparatively sure. um and like what i care about at this point is someone keeping warner brothers going instead of chopping it up and and ultimately eliminating it which is like the path that it feels like we're on it constantly um, feels that warner sorry sparks it's constantly no, feels like warner brothers has just entered their own personal dark ages and they just cannot get out of it ever since the harry potter franchise ended warner brothers cannot get a foothold on anything at&t tried to do it zaslav is failing at it spectacularly They're, and so many things Warner Brothers as a studio has tried. I want to real quickly, AT&T actually wasn't doing a bad job. They just gave yeah. up. Yeah, they did. They, um, they just I gave actually, up. 
I actually don't think that the AT&T years were that bad for Warner Brothers. I just think AT&T was not ready I, I for like, the, the, the upswing they needed to make. Yeah. And they just gave up. I mean, I'll give, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'll give some credit to AT&T because they at least tried. I mean, looking at looking back the, after the success of the Avengers and all that stuff, and Warner Brothers literally scrambling to try and get their own foothold in the multi, in the in the connected film saga, and then they didn't do a really good job at, at it. But you're absolutely right. Warner Brothers is a legacy. They are one of the oldest. They are the old one of the oldest studios in all of Hollywood. They have some of the most prolific films, both classic and nerdy that we know of, and also they make they do make some great films. But just so, constantly seeing them. For me, Warner Brothers, yes, live action. Warner Brothers and Disney are two sides of the same coin. They have a great live action studio, but their animation is what helped put them on the map. You got the Looney Tunes, DC Comics, all this other great animation shows that we're talking about that we love that has the Warner Brothers logo on it. And they just keep fucking it up. And Zaslav is at the helm of just like... He, I feel like when Zaslav, when he got onto the this so-called sinking ship that is one of those, he didn't grab a pail and start trying to flow water. He decided to create more holes in the ship by aiming his own cannons at the goddamn deck. He he came in with with the desire to get rid of the debt. Now, also, I also want to mention before I forget the 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 in the idea of of someone buying Warner Brothers from Zaslav. Um, there's also the question if 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 the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, would even let that happen. Uh, in in the wake of the Disney Fox deal, which has been frankly disastrous for the industry, um, so like if if, if if because they let that happen, and they could possibly look at that as like maybe we shouldn't have, uh, and not let another one happen again. I, they I, also shouldn't have let Discovery buy Warner Brothers to begin yeah, with. Like that shouldn't, have, shouldn't have let that so happen like, either. It, <laughs> it's one of those things where like it, I'm just so Fool me once, shame I'm just on so you. Mad that the stewardship is fallen to Discovery, which like just never should have. Like God, the fucking stuff that you see advertised on max because of discovery being there is so frustrating mm-hmm. the, this this change from hbo max the, like the brain deadness that has happened there's a stupid property brother hosting tcm next month i'm so mad about it i don't give a shit what a property brother has to say about classic films because it's not that interesting and i'm so <laughs> angry oh my god i can imagine it's like yo it's me jonathan property brother i'm here to talk about psycho <laughs> Because Psycho has a house in it. Thanks for watching. Yeah, I was I literally so right. I was going to think my about number one the exact pick same is, Although a great movie, my number one pick is 1974's House. Like, get out of here. <laughs> I picked it's it like, because yeah, it's about a property. Oh, God. I mean, look. I mean, okay, to play devil advocate on that part, I would be I would be laughing hysterically if it turns out that he's a big classic film nut. And I was like, cool, I'm good sure on him. sure he is, but, but the, I don't care. Sure. But, yeah, but at the same time, it's like you obviously have someone who's famous because of the property stuff hosting tcm it's like the flying f- the, sorry brand we're gonna put an explicit tag on this episode but the, what, the flying fuck, what the flying fuck are you doing dc uh water Brothers discovery the what the flying shit it it's, is absolutely boggling yeah i mean look when zaslov ever since zaslov took over and he started making the cuts to the streaming service i have been wanting him out of that office you're Ever since he said that. that, everyone everyone on the show wanted it. The in second the he made the move to start taking original shows, one of my personal favorites being Close Enough and a bunch of other great cartoons off of his own effing streaming service, the same yeah. thing. The reason why you have a streaming service is to keep your original content on there for as long as the servers that we have electricity in this yeah. bloody world. But the I second can't... he made that hit, 
everyone else started doing it. And yeah, it pisses me imagine. off. Fuck off. I'm sure. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I love your passion. Uh, I can't imagine what it's to be like, like a Warner Brothers executive who's been with the company for like a long time and actually like likes Warner Brothers and doesn't want to get rid of the things that made you famous. I can't imagine being one of those guys and there's nothing you can do about this because you just oh, work for God. this monster. Yeah. Like I can't imagine it's every insane. meeting like, no, we're getting rid of that show. Cut that show. Cancel. Gonna, cancel. You know that show that's like basically the revival of Batman the animated series? Give that to Amazon. I can yeah. imagine all well, those. Well, I can imagine all those executives are like balding now because they're so stressed out. Like, they're either yeah, balding or they're, they're okay. They're either balding or they're in their mid thirties and their entire head is just gray. Yeah, yeah. It's either Three or records. because the set because okay, Batman, their best selling property. One of the bigger Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> the second we heard that they weren't going to put a revival of the Batman animated series, one of their most famous shows, one of the most talked about nerdy things, 30 years later after the fact, and they are like, and Zaslav has the genius big brain move of like, let's sell this to Amazon instead of putting it in our own service to bring people in. It's like, are you stupid? Yeah. Are you yeah. an idiot? <laughs> this guy yes. is so freaking dumb. It just yeah. every but, time but I go to Universal thing, Studios, the, I flip off Warner Brothers Studios because of Zazov. Because it's like here's the, th here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, man. He's not. He he comes from a from. We talk about it all the time. We have talked about it all the time. This not new things that, that I'm about to say, but like he's a guy who comes from uh, reality TV, uh, and even probably doesn't even come from that. He probably inherited the studio, quite quite frankly. Um, and and I don't know enough about him to say say one way or the other, though. And but he is very very rich. He is a very very rich man who who through this discovery empire because hey let's be honest discovery was successful it it, mm -hmm. it a lot of reality a lot of reality shows are watched and beloved on on tv oh yeah mm -hmm. i just i just got he became ceo of discovery in 2006 and he oversaw the the large shift from educated oriented programming to reality television so he's he's ruining companies left and right left and right so he ruined discovery he did yeah. he did yeah. I, I, you yeah. know what I, I will straight up say he helped ruin Discovery. One of my favorite shows but, on the Discovery Channel for the longest time was American Chopper. I mean, yes, it is a reality TV show. I understand it, but it was also. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm so sorry! I'm so sorry! This make this makes the Sesame Street news make so much more sense now. <laughs> Going from because education the, to scripted television, yeah, yeah, because Sesame Street is moving away from entertainment to scripted television. Oh my god, Zaslav! It's all yeah, goes back to Zaslav. <laughs> Yeah, he's a he's just a bad person, um, yeah. and he doesn't get art. <laughs> and it's it much like what Ryan said earlier. It's like I, I so desperately wish there was someone who like was enamored with the absolute legacy of what they inherit with Warner Brothers. The fact that this was their centenary, and like they didn't get this to do as much with it. Like the most that they've done, honestly, is if you go purchase a new Blu-ray or 4K DVD from the store, there's a little nice 100 logo at the top wow. for Warner Brothers, and that's like it. That's it. Um, it's so crazy that they are not uh, celebrating and relishing in it the same way that Disney has this past year and a half. Yeah, um, Disney's doing something. But I'll, if I may, real quick sparks to finish yeah, yeah, my yeah. point about America. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, real fast, real fast. I know we're not. Uh, I won't say a lot about it because of the strike. I appreciate that Teen Titans Go did find a way to celebrate 100 years despite yes. everything. Yes, I did. Too. And if I you did. know what I'm talking about, you know what's up. 
I do not. But Sorry, going go back to, to my thing about America Chopper, yes, America Chopper was reality television. Yes, it was. There was drama between Paul Junior, Paul Senior, and everything about that. But the thing was, even but in that drama, they were teaching you essentially what goes into building a motorcycle from the ground up, the frame, the engine, the engineering that goes in with it. There was a scene where Paulie and um, oh god, there was one other guy uh i want to say his name was Vinny. Mike um, bicycle Vinny. but they were essentially all the going, third but they were going over the math on how properly to make the the um the um the struts for the front for the front wheel they were going like oh do we need to like add a few degrees little degrees it was a very mathematical thing that when i was a kid it goes over my head but at the same time i was like no you need to do that if you're building a motorcycle it's very it was actually informative and also the whole process of fabrication of what they did to customize the bike painting the motorcycle all the stuff was that was the reason why i watched the show not because of the family drama i couldn't care less about the family drama i cared about taking essentially a metal frame of just a steel slab and turning it into a literal moving piece of art because those bikes whether you like those bikes whether you like the show or not those bikes that they came out with were beautiful they american chopper amazing. and pit my ride i love those shows. i was literally about to say you guys remember pit my ride yeah absolutely mtv <laughs> you did good there. yeah i mean yes they were reality television shows but they were still educational at the i mean you had to dig through well, some pit stuff my ride was not educational let's be real but yeah, I learned a lot. yeah but american it's chopper also was an like, mtv show they still gave you some great moments of how to build a motorcycle Sure. And I can only imagine so many people out there wanted to learn how to build motorcycles because they were inspired by that show. And now, and just, uh, but the thing is like Sparks no. is right. But Sparks is right. Like the, the person who inherited Warner brothers should have had at least some reverence for the studio that they were inheriting and not something like, uh, and not a person who, who came in to cut costs in order to build a, in order to um, sell to 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 finish off a debt and potentially sell off the company for scraps, um, and that 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 really that it really sucks what we're seeing with Warner Brothers. It, there's no two ways about it. Warner Brothers is is not after not going to be the studio it ever was again. No, uh, because of this, it, maybe it, it sucks. Probably not, but I, you know, Ben said it right though. We are in the dark age. Warner Brothers is in the dark age. We're in the dark ages. Like that Renaissance era will happen Uh, soon. I hope so. Uh, I'm holding out hope that you know we can get back there. Like, I think there's a lot of people with passion inside of Warner Brothers that maybe they'll win the day. Who knows? You know, we got our our Warner Brothers animation uh, workers trying to unionize. Stuff's happening. Maybe, maybe there will be enough change. Maybe there will be a future. I mean, I know we're we're a small podcast. But I freaking hate Zaslav so much. Oh yeah, yeah. Small or big, doesn't matter. I despise I every single move that we've heard that comes out of his office. I just want so bad to run in there and just yell. It's like, why are you this stupid? I don't. Why? You know what he'll say, Ben? He'll he'll look he'll look at his like uh he'll look like at his bank account and go, yeah. what'd you say? What? Yeah. And I'll kick you out because he doesn't care. He doesn't care. No, he really no. does not care about anyone's no. opinion except for how much more money is going into his wallet. He was Again, hired to be a bad guy because he is a bad guy. When you when you make as, uh, this much money, something changes in your brain. I firmly believe this. Like you, I, yeah, you, no. you, something happens, and you become so 
you desire more and you'll you have more money than than you'll ever spend in your lifetime than your kid in your kid's lifetime either and but you just you 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 become a scrooge mcduck in the worst way scrooge mcduck was at least a fun adventurer cartoon who loved his family but like and he was a duck but like (laughs) you become someone who 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 just wants to close that vault door swim in your coins and only open it there's more there's more gold coins coming in that's got to hurt. Swimming in all those coins, that's got to be hurtful, man. There's an episode of the new DuckTales series. Sorry, I struck content, but I'm real quickly. Um, it, it, where where they, where it's a skill that Scrooge McDuck has created that only he can dive in and everyone else just <laughs> like lands on just metal. That's pretty good. You got to train. You got to train. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. First it was the wheelbarrow. Oh. Um, anyway. Yeah. That anyway. all sucks. Yeah. Yes, he does. I have a, I got some news, and since we're yeah. talking about Warner Brothers, I could bring I could bring it up because I was trying baby. to find a good uh, a good thing. So mm-hmm. Warner Brothers, who owns DC Comics, I love comic books. They've announced that they're doing a new I- imprint line called DC Compact Comics, and this is incredible, y'all. This is going to be super great. This is lovely. Uh, they're going to be featuring a five and a half, a five point five inch by eight point five inch standard book trim for new trade paperbacks. They're going to be releasing a bunch of old comics that they say are new reader friendly. Half of those, I would say, I'm not sure about that one, y'all. But um, basically, they are manga sized comic books yeah. of full, full runs. So I'll read the ones we got here. So the first batch are going to be Watchmen, Batman the Court of Owls by Snyder and Capullo, All-Star Superman, Far Sector, which is a new Green Lantern book, Wonder Woman Earth One by Morrison and Paquette, American Vampire, uh, Batman Hush, Joker by Brian Azzarello and Lieber Mayo. That's a great one. Uh, Harley Quinn and the Gotham City Sirens, and Catwoman Trial of the Catwoman by Darwin Cook and Ed Brubaker. These are all going to be manga-sized comics that are 6 to 12 issues long, and they're going to be $10. You're going to be able to buy Watchmen, uh, Batman Hush, All-Star Superman. These are all 12-issue, like, extremely good comics for $10. This is such a beautiful way. And they're going to they're gonna start putting them, like, everywhere. They're going to try to put them as many places as they can. Uh, because manga sell, like, hotcakes. Yeah. If you go to any Barnes & Noble, like, ha- half that store now is nothing but manga. This is such cool. a great gateway to get kids in the comics. One, because it's cheap, it's full runs, and it's, it's something that they're used to in manga-sized comics. Uh, this is... Such a great, great way to get kids into comics. I am so excited. I think you're I think you're very right. Marvel's been doing something similar for a while with um runs of characters like Moon Girl, Miss Marvel, um, uh Kate Bishop. It's they generally have, younger age yeah, stuff. They yeah. they have their they they've had their comics uh out that way. Obviously, this is a bigger push of like more more main feature yeah, content yeah. than than what Marvel's been doing, but those have still proven very successful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at getting younger people to pick up a comic book, um, something about the size, price, and accessibility. Uh, so this is a really cool move. Yeah, DC. Sorry, real quickly, Ben. There's the the DC has found has found some success in the manga space already. They have uh, had uh, manga uh, writers and artists. Uh, write like original Justice League, Joker, Batman books for a number of months now that they've been putting into comic book stores and in Japan. So they've already found success in that space. So it makes a lot of sense to 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 find ways to move their their more popular, maybe new. I think you're right. Some of those maybe not as new reader friendly as others, others, but find a way to put those in that space as well. Um, wasn't one of the new Green Lanterns published in like when when went to trade uh was was a manga style book um it's not it, it is the size of a manga that's so what i mean right it's the 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 young adult the young adult graphic novels are yeah, very yeah, much yeah. the same size and price point so you're yeah, right yeah, yeah. yeah 
Because, like, man, like, uh, uh, go ahead, Ben. I want you to hear. No, I actually have a question. When you say manga style, are these um, pages black and white or are they colored? No, they're full. They're, no, it's, it's like the full comic. It's just the size. Okay, it's, it's just, just the size. size. It's just, so just okay, digestible when, when sizes. You, yeah, because when you say uh, when you say manga style, my brain instantly goes to black and white. And also, just side note. I, as a as a huge manga fan, I've been reading manga since I was in high school. I absolutely love the medium. Just to see how big the manga section, because I remember back in Borders and Barnes Noble where manga was just one shelf, and now it's an entire wall. It just makes me so happy that yeah. we get we're getting more that America my is accepting Barnes it and Noble, more. My Barnes and Noble in Burbank, um, not mine, it's not mine, but the the closest one near me in Burbank um, had a kind of like in like three big shelf kind of in, in, in uh, like um uh like area that had just just comic books it was all comic books and then um and then and there's one one like on the other side of that was manga then that space is now just manga and comics are behind it on two shelves uh and that comics don't sell as well in borders and in the barnes and noble and a a physical bookstore as they do in a comic book store obviously or even online um that's just the reality of it and manga and manga is doing really well but i want to reiterate something it is all it was all for comic books uh manga is still comics and it's still a win because people still comics 100 the thing is like if you want to buy a 12 issue like Let's say, let's say, uh, not even a hardcover, just like a paperback, like a twelve issue paperback. That's gonna cost you like 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. Like, like, dude, Marvel and DC sell like four issue trades for eighteen dollars now. Yeah. Like that is so expensive. You want a hardcover of like the Watchmen? That's like it's gonna cost you a lot of money, bro. I, I like also... a ten dollar version of Watchmen that anybody can buy off of like a bookshelf. That is like. That is incredible because kids see that size. They see it's also price. Like you know, spending forty bucks as opposed to ten. That's an easy win. That's easy. And it's no different than what we see with like mass market trade, trade uh, mass market paperback books, right? You got your normal paperback books, which are about this big or whatever they fluctuate in size, and then you got your mass market ones, which are like roughly this size, fit in your pocket, and that it's the yeah. same thing. They're just cheaper. Yeah, and kids and kids love that, and like the the manga size does appeal. Um, I can't blame younger uh readers for going in and like looking at the comic section and then looking at the manga section and it's like wow here's a title here's number one two three four five six seven eight nine yeah where do i start in comics <laughs> like i get i get yeah. how easy it is to just look at a manga shelf be like i've heard a lot about demon slayer where do i start one number one yeah. <laughs> like and the big oh. numbers that are on the sides of all manga it does make it very accessible it also, it's just so easy because even now, because the last time I went to Barnes & Noble, I would, of course, always go to the manga section just to check it out and want to, and wish that I won the lottery so I could go on a manga buying spree because, God, I miss it. But mm-hmm. it, there's this, always this little table that has a thing on that says, you never forget your first. And it's the first volume of a bunch of famous, of a, a bunch of popular manga like Spy Family, Demon Slayer, um, Jujutsu Kaisen so many different manga and it's not just like the shonen stuff that everyone knows like my hero and jujutsu but it's a bunch like you have shonen manga you um you have shoujo manga you have monk you have some of junji ito stuff there it's a wider variety on this one table it's like if you want to get started pick something that's that you might interest that you might interest you and then go from there and And i think and i think real quick like looking at this look like i don't i i don't know like I read Watchmen as a teenager and I was fine, but I was also way more like into like just 
being artsy fartsy and shit at 15 right but like books like the court of owls and far sector and batman hush and like uh catwoman trial by darwin cook like those are great easy books to jump into and if you have just any knowledge about those characters you'll be totally fine right uh and again ten dollars for 12 issues like that is you're stealing comics at that point i think one of the things that that com that comic book companies don't do a good job at specifically the big two marvel and dc are are that you can jump in anywhere um you know manga ha has a has very clear you want to start at number one there it is um you don't start at at, at issue a thousand for for one piece you start at number one but it, it is just one consistent long thing and issue one it was always there for you to find i think for dc and marvel it is similar it is the case that you can just you can just read court of owls you can just read you can pick up a batman comic off the shelf and you'll be fine that's what i did how i got into comics i just picked up a comic off the shelf and i was fine yes, um and, and 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 that's everyone's story with comic book, the comic books but i think for the larger audience DC and Marvel have not done a good job of communicating that that is the case, which is why I really like the end tag of every trailer that DC has put out since James Gunn has, has gotten, has gotten in charge mm -hmm. has, if you like this, read these comics. Right. Um, and I think that's a, that's a really big step into get into changing that mentality. Um, and I think this is another step. Um, and I think that they're doing, they're doing some great work in trying combating that, frankly misconception I, I i hope that marvel will similarly follow suit as mark said marvel already does similar things with the the younger the younger graphic novels the spider gwens the miss mar the miss marvels and the moon girls have a similar price point kind of trade paperback line going um and i i hope that they they kind of see the success of this happening even with dc already in the manga space with joker and batman and justice league um and we'll and we'll see that kind of like take hold I will say, I think this is wonderful what, what Ryan's bringing up. Um, I am only a little concerned about um, the amount that they're putting in it because I'm worried about the paper quality. Sure. Um, but like sure. for $10, maybe you're fine with like, it might not last forever. Um, That's and a that big, kind like, of thing. And, and yeah. it, like that, that often is the case with like the same market of mass market paperbacks. Yeah. But if I'm comparing directly to like, I picked up some of the moon girls that are in this style and I have them quite good quite good paper yeah. quality frankly i'm impressed for the price point um because they're gonna last um they're gonna sit on my shelf for a long time i'm not gonna have to replace those yeah yeah, uh, yeah. even if i read up, it a few times sparks does bring up does bring up a good point like um you know that the, that's five five issues and in some cases maybe even six or seven watchman's 12 issues and you want to jam and you want to jam all that into a ten dollar paper, paper uh trade paperback is great for the market but like what's the paper quality you know i always think about like someone has created a um a version of the hobbit and the lord of the rings that are the same size so all three lord of the rings books that is the same oh. size the hobbit but the reason they can do it is because the page are so wafer thin oh my gosh that it's possible <laughs> yeah that, that it's possible to make it and like the, the reason why is because it's just collector's edition like you're not you're not reading that yeah it's yeah, like yeah. uh it's like when you open up a book in those it's those bible thin pages that yes the every, bible thin pages yes exactly like every time i have like like people like oh let's look at the bible i'm like flipping through those pages I'm like i feel like i if i just like turn the page wrong i'm gonna rip it up and part of me yeah. i have like an er nothing again no i'm not saying no i'm not saying real quickly i'm not saying that that's what the, that paper quality is going to be i'm sure it's not um right. but there is a there is a case with like kind of wonder like well what is the paper quality going to look like how how thin are these pages going to be and yeah. like and like even as i brought it up um i all acknowledge that like it's not really that important 
I, I think the purpose of this is far more to attract new readers, yeah. Yeah. younger readers, and it only has to make it through that first read. Yeah. If yeah. they love that book, like Watchmen, they'll buy a nicer edition of Watchmen mm -hmm. and yeah. read it again. Like, it's not that important of a detail. Yeah. I just hope that it's a fine enough quality that it makes it through that one read without issues. Like, that's yeah. really all it comes down to. And, like, the colors look good and that kind of thing. Like, I, I hope that's the case just for those readers, but it truly is about get you into it. And if right. you like it a lot, you're going to buy another version of it. Don't and, you worry. Yeah. You're going to want the bigger the bigger size Watchmen if you like it. DC mm -hmm. also, like, they, they were like, yo, let's put comics in Walmart. And those comics sold. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. like, so like they, they really are ahead of, like, yo, they don't need to just be in comic shops. Like, put mm -hmm. the, dude, I used, I remember when I was a kid, like, I would go to a 7-Eleven and it was a spinner rack. Yeah. That's where I bought my first Spider-Man. Like, my very I'm first not going to say, like, they're going to show up in 7-Elevens again, but, like, there's no reason you can't have comics just in every, like, Target and Walmart around. Very first comic book I ever got was Sonic the Hedgehog issue 29 at a backwaters gas station in the state of Montana. I don't know how it, it got there, but it did. And also, hi, Mint. Mint, uh, mm. Mint Blaze in the chat. She just wanted to say hello real quick. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be – It's again, I think DC is making – big strides in bringing and bringing comics to a wider audience um I've, webtoons I've, they've been doing great stuff with webtoons for webtoons. Over two years now webtoons uh the the walmart comics which i don't think they do anymore but they still sold really yeah. well when they did um this the, they're doing mangas uh they're, they're allowing japanese creators to make mangas of their own characters like they're they're doing some really interesting things and i hope it works like yeah. truly I, I do and I, I i think these things are selling well um and i hope that this also will sell well yeah yeah uh keeping yeah. it kind of in the warner space there is one other thing i don't not to reactivate ben's anger about that plot, <laughs> but i did just want to touch on because this is the kind of thing with the streaming services price stuff that pisses me off oh yes uh, um so premium tier is coming to max oh yeah <laughs> uh so you're not you're not uh getting ads or anything if you stay at the the normal level of $15 for for max or anything but um you are going to lose your 4K HDR and Dolby Atmos features they're going to the $20 tier so you got to pay five more dollars now uh to get back your super high quality stuff on max um but that's all like other oh and like a, a change in like how many devices you can stream on at a time and three stuff. to two uh and like downloads yeah but now if you go up to the 20 you get four device oh. i would have two phones and my computer this is the kind of stuff messing around with the streaming like like raise the price if you're gonna like like raise the price but like hiding locking specific features and stuff that you had before i'm like god get out of here this stuff is so Gosh, stupid man. 20 like every streaming service is now like eventually everything is going to be just 20 bucks and apple will still be like nah bro. apples i think they just raised their price to nine i think that's still like that's half the price. Yeah, um, crazy. And I, they I have truly, a, they have a Godzilla show coming out next this month. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I really wonder how many people Disney Plus like how Disney Plus wanted to like make money in the shorthand, so it raised its prices. But I'm like, you know, if Disney Plus had held the line at seven, I really think more people would still be subscribed to it. Yeah, yeah. Because they just wouldn't think about it. It's not like they can't yeah. afford it. I, I don't even think about my Apple. Like I just have Apple TV Plus, and I don't even think about it. I'm just like, oh right, I've got that. I can coffee, watch. bro. That's a coffee, and I get a Godzilla. Thank you. Disney Plus I can was so watch all smart. sorts of things. Disney Plus was so smart when it launched, and I said like everybody's gonna get it because it's the lowest price point of any streaming service. And if they'd held that line, 
I really believe they'd still have more subscribers than they do right now. Do you remember when DC held the line at two ninety nine? Liars, yeah. <laughs> liars. Yeah. Pepper's Farm remembers. <laughs> uh, they made that promise twice. Yeah. Um, remember when they held the line at two ninety nine with with DC Rebirth? Uh, but in order to combat that, they double shipped every comic, so you were actually paying. Oh, that, that killed a lot of my interest. I'm like, oh no, yeah. now I'm just actually spending more money monthly. So no thanks. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, that was awful. And now comics are four dollars. I'm like, oh my god. Um, yeah. Uh, ben, there's yeah. A, the, ben, Ben and Sparks had a Sonic thing. You guys wanted to bring up? What was that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Real quick, did either of you get to watch the footage for Sonic Dream Team? Did you guys no, check out I've, this trailer? I don't even I've know forgot. what you're talking about. Okay, so Sonic Dream Team is a new game coming out, uh, and it it's a really great trailer. Um, I think Ben's going to agree with me that like it's a Sonic game I would love to play because it looks very much in the Sonic Adventure style. It does. Which is something both he and I really love. And it's a game that looks like it's chasing that directly. Um, it is only available exclusively on Apple Arcade. Oh, it's a mobile game. I yeah. don't care yeah. Here's the thing. Before before we continue, Apple Arcade is actually an incredible thing, and they actually do put real ass games on there. No, for sure. But I'm it's a mobile game, so I'm it's, not interested. It's an exceptionally good looking Sonic game. Cool. Like for the Sonic 3D space, Ben, would you agree that this is the first Sonic game post Sonic Adventure 2 that has looked sorry Sonic Heroes that has looked like it is playing in the same kind of sandbox of design as the adventure games with 3D Sonic? One hundred percent. And also just to add to it, um. A uh, big time Sonic the Hedgehog comic writer Ian Flynn. He was on the writing team for this. When the trailer dropped, he officially awesome. announced that he was part of the writing team for it. Um, as you guys know, he took he has been writing Sonic comics both in the Archie and the IDW days, and he has made some amazing storylines or some really good de and decent Sonic storylines. And this makes me happy because it's like, hey, because he also worked on Frontiers. Now he's working on Dream Team. Once again, the only big caveat, because I'm not a subscriber to Apple Arcade, the only Sonic game I've played on my phone was Sonic CD, because, uh, you know, it's an older game, and that's, you know, yeah. it's, one, it's my favorite video game of all time. But I will admit, this does look like something in the vein of Sonic Adventure, and it does look like something that Sonic fans have been wanting for a very long time. Yeah, so this is my thing, is that um, we know that fans have wanted more of the Sonic Adventure-style game, um, I don't understand this decision. This is such a quick and easy win. Even if you put this out at like 30 or less, honestly, yeah. as a purchase game, Sonic fans would buy this. Oh, Sonic I'll just on, buy the, this on digital the, service, yeah. any digital service, uh, the PlayStation, PlayStation Switch, yeah. whatever. They yeah. would buy this game. I don't understand giving this to Apple Arcade. It should go everywhere and they would make money. Sonic fans have wanted this game. Yeah. It's It's so odd because... When a fan in this is me going on a bit of a rant, so please excuse me. But uh, going back, looking back at the giant success that Sonic Mania was, Sega backed it, made by a fan. And then you look at Sonic Forces, Sonic the Team made that game. I mean, it got decent reviews, but it wasn't as beloved as Sonic Mania. And then we keep moving forward, and then we're looking at this like Sega started, like, okay, let's go Sonic, Sonic Superstars. It's not that bad. But then you look at something out of left field, like who murders the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, and people are going absolutely nuts over that one. And that was free to download, play, by the way. Yes, which we still need to play. Oh, yeah. yeah, I need to play that game. But Sega, when they do stuff like this, because fans have like we fans have constantly been tripping, and Sega has track record of like, hey, a fan made this thing, let's give them a job. They're not like Nintendo, where they're like, hey, see you in court, buddy. They give fans the opportunity. Sonic Mania being case in point. But then just Sega constantly makes 
oddball decisions where it's like you're on the right track you're gonna do something great you're gonna it's like yeah sega's coming back <gasps> hard left turn hard so, left turn is something completely it's like why so here's here's the thing uh i just looked it up uh uh apple arcade seven dollars yeah you you guys can spend seven dollars once beat this game and then just cancel it before the month is over that's true instead of spending that's 30 40 dollars and also if this is an apple arcade game it's not a going to be a full length 12 hour experience it's probably going to be right. more something like a really great mobile game right. which again those are totally fine but like honestly seven dollars is not that bad like no, if i was not. a huge sonic fan and i have like a nice like like new iphone like I'll pay seven bucks to play that Sonic game. Yeah. And then, then, you know, that's, I don't I think mean, this is as big a deal as potentially I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Cause I thought it was going to be more expensive, but seven bucks, that's nothing. Also, you get like a free trial. So you can just play it for free probably yeah. anyway. And also, I mean, also, I mean, just to give Sega some credit because when I download a Sonic CD on my phone, cause they also have a whole bunch of their other classic Sega games on available for mobile. Um, there is like, you can't pay like two ninety nine just to play it without the ads or, or something, or you can play it for free. I mean, you do have to have, have watch ads in between levels or in between, things which is a little bit annoying um i shelled out but once again it was only two dollars and 99 cents i yeah. can i can spend three dollars that's totally fine and then it's on my phone or i could re-download those games with all my previous pur purchases intact and it's like you know what that's actually not bad and also seven dollars you're right you're right ryan that's not that expensive and it's if i do really want to play this game because i've heard some great things about apple arcade oddly enough normally when i hear the term mobile game i kind of go Ugh, because you know mobile games but with apple making apple arcade and putting those type of games on there that are legit like these are video games yes they're mobile games but they're video games first there's as far as i know not a lot of gotcha mechanics not a lot of microtransactions there's no candy crush saga bullshit happening here it's you you buy, you pay for the service you get game that's it yeah yeah everything i've heard again like i'm not i'm not a mobile game player but like like the experience on that thing is, is like really, really good. Like if you're looking mm -hmm. for really great mobile games, like, yo man, you'll spend seven bucks on a single mobile game at the app store. Whereas Apple Arcade, like, yo, here's a literally, like here's like a hundred games. Some of them are like Angry Birds that's and some of them are going to be Sonic. And like, that's, I think that's awesome. Like I do agree yeah. with Sparks. It is weird that like potentially the best Sonic game to come out in a while is exclusive to a mobile, mobile arcade thing. That is weird. Because they can make more money otherwise. Not only one, not only that, but like one that's pandering to like a fan base that has felt neglected. And I think that's mm -hmm. they're relying on that of like, yo, you guys want a good Sonic game? Guess what? Apple has it. Yeah. All I got to pay is seven bucks, and hopefully mm -hmm. you forget about that subscription. <laughs> there's also there's also hope because I think because someone was mentioning on Twitter that Sega put out a game that a lot of people wanted on a service that not a lot of people had. It got good reviews on there, so Sega decided to to not only they didn't pull it, but they moved it and they did put it onto other platforms and they made a whole lot more money. It's kind of like what Sega has been doing the past few Sonic um, games. Well, they did it with Sonic Media and with Sonic Origins, where it's like, let's put it out digitally first. People really enjoy it. They are climbing for a physical. And then it's like, let's put the physical one out with a bunch of added DLC to it. But if you already got the digital one, we'll just, the DLC is like cheap. I mean, yeah. Is it a little scummy? I'm not going to lie because I want the digital edition first. But. I will say when they do put out a physical one, they do give us some extra goodies. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm bummed. I'm, I'm not super mad, but at the same time, at least you're adding more stuff to it to somewhat justify it. Instead of just saying, Oh, it's just the base game too bad. LOL. Sure. I still play robot unicorn attack. So I'm kind of like, Ooh, ah, robot <laughs> unicorn attack. Oh God. That... Always. Always. 
I will never. Wasn't that an Adult Swim game? It was an Adult Swim game. I had all three. I still Robot Unicorn Attacks Two is still in my phone. Don't tell them. Um, it's not supported anymore. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the update that it won't play. You know That's what? Funny. That that game is just that was such a moment. It, it was. was it was, Robot Unicorn Attack 1 and Robot Unicorn Attack Heavy Metal uh, were the other two games and and uh, my phone doesn't so the, the, they don't support those, they haven't supported those in decade, in a year, in years, probably a decade honestly, and um, uh, they, they uh, and my phone updated to the point that they can't play those games anymore, but Robot Unicorn Attack 2 is still going, every every time I update I put, I put it on, I'm like, I'm still playing I mean, people when Flappy Bird was taken down from the i from the iTunes store, so many people were reselling their phones because it's like this has Flappy Bird on it, and That's, that those phones were going for hundreds of dollars. I remember. I remember and now Bird. you can play it in arcades and spend money on it instead of just uh, having it on your phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last time I went to round one, there was a Flappy. It's called Flappy Tickets, and I'm like. Th- that's okay. the weirdest thing I've seen happen. Like games like Fruit Ninja and like Flappy Bird and all these mobile games are now like, yo, spend spend two dollars to play this in an arcade. I'm like, no. And they're and they're ticket redemption games. I mean, I won't lie. I did play Fruit Ninja, the arcade game, because you know it, it's just fun. Fruit Ninja kind of be fun, right? That'd be, yeah, that'd be fun as an arcade game. I had, I had Fruit Ninja yeah. on my Xbox. Connect. One? You got to connect. Yeah, connect. You got to connect. Yeah. Nice. Honestly, great. Yeah, really great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll get great use of connect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one, that one. I'll say like, okay, that's the past. But then I see like stuff like Angry Birds turn into a ticket redemption game. I'm like, really? Sorry, I didn't mean to derail the conversation. No, 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 no. no. That, I mean, that's a, just a whole different rabbit hole of video games we could go into. But uh, going back to Sonic Dream Team, yeah. Uh, as much as I may, I might pull the trigger and do a free trial, play around with it, see how it is, or because I'll it is a mobile game that. I, What's up? I'll play it someday. I don't know when, but someday. I don't know when. I mean, to be honest, I might not because it's a mobile game on a service that I'm not subscribed to. Um, I honestly, I might just wait out in case Sega does decide to put this physical or at least uh, port it to like the Switch, the PS5, or whatever. I might just wait for that. But at the same time, I am glad that Sega they are making Sonic games that fans of a very vocal minority really really want or i actually no i would say they're a vocal majority because a lot of Sonic, every single Sonic fan i see on twitter they talk about we want more of ed, the adventure style we do want more classic 2d style sonic games and like we got that with superstars i mean there's some problems with it but at least it's a step i would say step in the right direction although i am tired of saying that every time a new Sonic game pumps up but can we please get mania 2 that's all i want i just want mania no. 2 they, no, they'll never okay. give you what you want, Ben. You no, just have to won't. wait until it happens. Uh, no Mania 2, no Sonic Adventure 3. It's no, neither of them. See, never. Those are the easy answers, and they're like, yeah, yeah we don't want to make people happy. It's like, you, so you guys just don't like money, then okay. Is it the same team working on... Is it the same team working on every Sonic game? Or is no, it like not different? always. No, not all yeah. the time. No, like Sonic Team is essentially like a small, it's not a small, but it's a division within Sega proper because that is just solely devoted to making Sonic the Hedgehog and developing Sonic the Hedgehog mm-hmm. games. Um, I mean, yes, because it, it is Sonic Team is, I think there's like a whole bunch of different divisions because you, you have, there's Sega, then there's Sonic Team, then there's a studio that works on the Yakuza games, then there's like a whole bunch of other stuff going on because Sonic Team. They have made other games that aren't Sonic related. They did make a game for the GameCube called Billy Hatcher, 
which if my memory serves was actually pretty darn good people do you say billy hatcher ben do you say billy hatcher billy hatcher and the giant egg is like arguably one of the best gamecube games nobody talked about that game you just you just lit me up you just lit (laughs) me up that game is so good it's about you and you're you're you are moving around this giant egg and you have to keep it alive so it can try so it can hatch into a a monster that you hang out with oh memories (laughs) i mean i I never played Billy Hatcher. I just saw it. It's like, hey, from the Sonic team, here's a game that, that has nothing to do with Sonic the Hedgehog. That's and the I'm best like, game huh. Sonic team has ever made. <laughs> I didn't know that was them. <laughs> that game's great. Yeah, that, that was one of the big advertisements. It said Sonic Team Presents Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. I love that. Wow, I actually um, cannot believe I did that to Ryan. I actually, a good game. That makes, that makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, Sparks. Yo, what's up? Doctor Who stuff happened this week. Yeah, it did. I was about to say, uh, uh, yeah, so Tales of the TARDIS was announced. Uh, and released. And released, yeah, whole yeah. first season. Um, it, it launched with the BBC iPlayer uh, launch on November 1st. I knew it was, I didn't know it was out and out and about. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so on BBC iPlayer, um, because they, at November 1st, they put all that they can of Doctor Who on one place. And they announced, they've announced the Hooniverse uh, and part of that is Tales of the TARDIS. Um, and Tales of the TARDIS is uh, essentially um, this uh, special TARDIS that allows... Uh, it's called a memory actor- TARDIS. Yeah, to the old actors to kind of reunite with each other and it be a canon story of these actors coming together as their characters at specific moments in their lives to reconnect uh, and and talk. And so like it's it's both about reuniting the actors and seeing them, but it's also taking place literally within the canon through timey wininess that they're allowed mm, so that they're actually fulfilling on like character stuff between these people. This sounds like something only like the comics would do, but like, no, let's actually make a TV show. Yeah. yeah so, awesome. so one of the things that's really interesting about it is that um, they've gotten, it's it's basically one doctor, one companion. So like all the living doctors have, have paired up Except with their Except for one living. episode, right? Uh, well, it's two episodes are two companions. Um, right. So Clyde Langer from the Sarah Jane Adventures and Joe, uh, Joe Jones, or Joe Grant as she was originally known, which is the third Doctor uh, companion, they team up in this, com- in this TARDIS to talk about Sarah Jane uh, right. because they both knew Sarah Jane. Um, right. uh, actress Elizabeth Sladen passed away. Um, and then there's uh, two first Doctor companions not his original companions. I think his like last two companions, they t- they team up in this TARDIS to talk about their adventures with the first Doctor. Um, right. One, so, and then and then it's like you got the sixth Doctor with Tegan, not Tegan. That's that's with the fifth Doctor. Um, you got the the Perry, the the seventh Doctor with Perry, the sixth Doctor with Perry, the seventh Doctor with Ace, and the fifth Doctor with Tegan. Um, you, you, there's no fourth Doctor. Uh, Tom Baker didn't come back for this. Um, could come back in the second season, I guess. Um, and what something that really lit me up about it, uh, to use Ryan's most recent vernacular, um, was uh, Ace comments. Ace, who's actually appeared in Doctor Who since she was in the power of the Doctor, um, she talks to the seventh Doctor, who she hasn't seen in years, says, You've gotten old, which acknowledges that they don't look the same way they did at the, at the time they last met. and. The Seven Doctors talks about how timelines are strange. In one timeline, I regenerate, and another, I don't. To kind of can, can uh, to kind of create this like canonized way to make these doctors 
look older than they are should they ever appear again and what the one thing and this is really beneficial for like colin baker right colin baker doesn't look anything like he did when he was the doctor he's the seventh doctor i saw um, that picture yeah he he had a big fro re, a red fro and six six doctor yeah so mr mccoy looks pretty good though um he, he's pretty good for his age the sixth doctor, yes, he had a big like fro, um, uh, uh, red, 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 uh, red hair, and now he's pretty much bald. And they gave him a goatee with this, which I thought looked kind of cool. Um, and I was like, this is this is really cool. Like you could actually have these doctors uh, appear again in the show as they are now, and make this kind of explanation that it's just because the timelines diverge at certain points, which or... isn't which isn't a hundred percent new. Um, like we no. played with that idea before when the fifth doctor appeared with David Tennant for a little charity, yes. uh, Canon charity, uh, short, um, that, that was about like, because of the way the time streams were interacting, it made the fifth doctor look older. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I haven't seen the whole show. The, the whole show is not available in America. Um, it is it, only available on the BBC iPlayer, um, in Britain because, uh, no no american dollars went into it basically it's purely bbc money um and they so they haven't poured it over but i've been able to see clips online and things. people have been posting clips on like youtube and on twitter and things like that and so I've you seen can always clips. sail the high seas i was gonna say certainly can money, baby. i got you um, a link right now and it's 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 really good it's really sweet um it's it's purely just doctor who like it's nostalgia bait at it, it, no doubt but it's such a pure kind of celebration of these previous companions and doctors and i was shocked man when clyde shows up i was shocked i was like damn sarah jane adventure's getting some love uh importantly davies oversaw all of this um yes this is one of the things he spearheaded and and it's it's really I just I think it's wonderfully encouraging regardless of if like I'm sure there will be some some more use of this but like even if there wasn't even if this was all you got of Tales of the TARDIS it's just really wonderful that he's finding these opportunities to celebrate all of Doctor Who. Yes. Yeah. Um and I I do believe that that's something he's really striving for. He really wants like everything within Doctor Who to be celebrated and represented and and things like that. Um I know in particular uh, people have been talking about, I believe it's with the fifth doctor one, maybe the sixth doctor. That's about um, the, the fact that they hug and like, they're talking about how there was a no hugging policy between the doctors and the companions back during the mm. classic show. This was something I think, that, wasn't I think allowed. that was the, the fifth doctor. Yeah. That was something that wasn't allowed. And so like, they're, they're kind of responding to this loss of another character hmm. uh, in the episode and in this they're allowed to have the emotional reaction of hugging each other which is something that they couldn't do in the classic show and it's this yeah. thing where like they acknowledge like we didn't used to do this and it's like what well, we do now mm -hmm. um and that emotionality that is something davies has talked about like wanting to bring to the use of this show to incorporate things that weren't allowed to be represented at the time yeah it's a really sweet tribute to doctor who like uh, that that it, it's it's such a it's such an uncynical one too. Like it doesn't feel like this was done for a cash grab or anything. This was done to celebrate the legacy of this, 
of this series by bringing back these actors. Now, Big Finish has been doing this. I've been bringing back these actors all the time, but like to do sure. it in this way, in this live action way, to get them to give them their moment. Like not everyone watches listens to Big Finish, right? Like, uh, but tons and tons of people are going to be able to get to watch this, and this mm-hmm. is and, and to celebrate. It's also a clip show. There's also like clips. They play clips with a uh, uh, on the on this on this uh, on this TARDIS. They like remember things and. Um, then the the parts that we're talking about are just kind of like the inserts, the the kind of canonical inserts of them reuniting. Yeah. And it, it really does speak to like Davy's desire for right now it's you know just on the BBC iPlayer, but for like people to utilize this to connect to all doctors. And like he's mm-hmm. been doing a really good job of like saying, I'm not telling you to go watch all of Doctor Who. I'm not. Uh no, no, no. But like what Davies <laughs> is saying is is I'm not telling you to do that. But hey. I think these are some of my favorite things. These are things I think you should watch if you really like this. He's been doing a lot of this in a lot of different spaces, um, dropping nuggets of like, these are episodes I think you should go to. These are, uh, whether it's about the toy maker that's coming up or um, things that are connected to Tales of the Tardis. He's really trying to guide people to like, there are things about these classic stories that I think you would still get something out of. And he wants to curate that and like make it accessible. And I do think that's a long-term also, again, the goal down the road when it's more available internationally uh, for all of the things to be in one space. This is something he wants everybody to be able to do to make all of Doctor Who feel like it sings all together. Did you, I'm sure you all saw uh, that we're going back to season one. Yes, this was another thing I was going to bring up. New, new Who. New, new Who. (laughs) Easy Um, jumping on point. Love it. I, it, definitely an easy jumping on point, especially because the series will be on a new home. It'd be Disney Plus, um, day and date, which is incredible. We've talked about that before. Um, I wonder how much of this is a response to, or is because of, there was a really prominent rumor that that popped up just after Power of the Doctor that um, the that BBC was going to cancel the show. At that point, Doctor Who's popularity had waned a lot in the Moffat era. Uh, yeah. It started very strong, and then it started to dip, especially internationally. Um, and, uh, and 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 the Chibnall era was not well received on either source. Um, and not, not again, not because of Jodie Whittaker's performance. There, the, the, all the reactionary backlash can go f itself. But um, the 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 but the show just didn't have the same popularity it did when it was in its height. In its height, and so the rumor was that the BBC was only going to continue the show should Davies come back. Um, and him coming back does seem and, and doing this does kind of seem to put some truth to that rumor that if uh, he had it would have been canceled. He he said directly in an interview, I saw a quote where he said they were going to do this either way. Yeah. Like this was gonna happen either way. He said like it was gonna go back to season one, period. Oh, okay. And I, I felt like somebody somebody who cared about it should be the person to do it, which has right. been a big motivator for why he's taken such a strong arm on it, because I guess he found out this part this part is me kind of reading between the lines it's not what yeah. he said uh, i want to be clear what i'm about to say um i think through chibnall and like chibnall's involvement at the time he knew this was coming and so he decided to get involved directly or it's not clear we don't know if they sought him out or he sought it out because he knew but he does say directly in a quote this was going to be done either way to doctor right. who and i felt that someone who cared about it should do it so that means that we are getting a season one um but everything previously exists just as it did the first time he did a season one everything doctor who is doctor who and always will be doctor who and he's not contradicting anything um it's just a new number one it's not a reboot it's not a remake 
it's still Doctor Who. It's still continuing. He said, like, um, I will. Uh, yeah. In his mind, he's he. He also said this in the same interview. He's like, because he was talking about like people were asking about, um, is he going to do some of the controversial stuff from Chibnall's era and or not address it? And he said, everything that's happened in Doctor Who has always happened and always will, and we'll never undo it, with the exception of one thing, and that's Paul McGann's um, human mother. And he's like, I don't think any of us know how to square that one without acknowledging that one. That one's just kind of always going to not exist because I don't like it. I, I don't know anybody that does so. Um, somehow we just kind of ignore it and i didn't know that that's for those for those who don't know i'm in the writer's room like for those who don't know paul mcgann's movie because he's only done the one the one movie and then did a big finish for for a long time um america made that movie fox made that movie and they and 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 they were going to have paul mcgann the big reveal is that the doctor is actually half human um not full-time lord and uh they, that's a line in the show where he says where that's a line in the movie where he's like tell me your secret well tell me your secret and he just leans in and he goes i'm half human on my mother's side yeah. and that's a line in the and so since then no one has ever addressed it ever and nor should they because it's ridiculously right. dumb not every idea is great yeah yeah uh, so davies has been quite was quite clear in the interview where he's like nothing will ever be contradicted or undone in doctor who except that we're never gonna acknowledge that i don't <laughs> know anybody that knows how to square that hole i'm just happy that he straps is like that's the one thing that is the one yeah. thing well, yeah. and he's just uh, so candid about it it's like look we don't know we're sorry it was a thing we're just not gonna talk about it and also again, like, it was, it was an american thing too it was an American production because America wanted to put their mark on on Doctor Who at that point. And one of the things that's really great about Davies, when he brought back Doctor Who the first time, um, is is that he had, there was no reason for him to acknowledge Paul McGann's film. It was made by a completely different country um, to relaunch a show that, that was a failed pilot. Didn't happen. There's no reason that he would need to acknowledge it except for the fact that he respected it. He respected Paul McGann's turn as the doctor. At that point, Big Finish has started doing audio stories with him. He respected those. He is an avid Big Finish listener, so is Stephen Moffat. And so like he he had this he decided that it was that the right thing to do was to keep Paul McGann's tenure as the doctor as short as it was canon. So that's why he started with the ninth doctor, not the eighth doctor. Yeah. Um and 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 so like there's no question going into the 60th going into a new number one of course everything's canon he's he would never he's not the kind of guy to retcon this entire series but yeah it did it did paint i think him giving that quote i did think painted in a very particular light where like even if he would have made that decision on his own it didn't matter this was a bbc decision they want yeah. a season one um yeah. they want a season on one jumping on point regardless of if it's following close continuity of everything that came before yeah, yeah. um and that's and that's why davis is like this was gonna happen either way i wanted someone i felt someone needed to be there who cared and i think he's the right person um for it having watched a lot of doctor who recently to catch up um, it really does stand out to me how Doctor Who is is maybe one of the most perfect like storytelling templates that ever existed mm -hmm. because um, I think you can tell any story in Doctor Who. Yeah, um, you can make up anything to tell anything, anytime, anywhere, any space, any kind of genre. Science fiction, horror, uh, horror, mm -hmm. comedy, um, it, dinosaurs on a spaceship, anything. Animated, like it's happened. Like you can do any of it. You can do all of it in Doctor Who. It is it is a perfect format for storytelling. Whether those stories are good or bad, like I really hope Doctor Who doesn't go away now that it's back because like it just offers so much opportunity. Like it can take breaks, but I hope we don't lose it. So having Davies come back and have such a passion for revitalizing the future and 
acknowledging and celebrating everything that came before, really wanting to get everybody back on a, a train of like, there's always something in here someone is going to like, and you should go check out and find the thing you're going to like within this because it's it, it has me very optimistic about the future of Doctor Who um, yeah, because think- Davies is the person championing it. I think re- I think doing a, a season one after the 60th anniversary also makes just a lot of sense for people, especially in, in America, doing this new Disney Plus thing. Like people who dro- who who haven't seen the show in a while, who haven't seen the show. Period. Um, like we we talked about it. Like, uh, isn't the new companion like the first companion to be born after the new show was was released? Like oh, um, that young? Oh God! Yeah. Oh yeah. No. So like, no. there's a whole generation of people who just who just grew up with new doctor who just were not born when there was no doctor who. And so like they can now jump in very clearly. Here's the new place to jump on. And the 60th brings in the old crew and they're interested and they're interested. Um, If someone, someone made a really good um, comparison that like this kind of like maybe intentional or unintentional. I know Eccleston was not, the original plan wasn't for Eccleston to leave after one season that happened kind of later in production, but like it does kind of mirror how like, you got like a, a a gateway doctor and then you got a new doctor. Um, so you got the gateway doctor and David coming back and then you got a new doctor and Shudi Gatway. Um, yeah. uh, I think that's kind of fun. I'm I think really the two factor for this, I think the two factor of Shudi being the doctor and it being on Disney plus, because a lot of people know him from yeah. uh, uh, sex, sex education. education or Barbie, even though like he's, he's not super big in that, but like he, people know him from that. Like, I think it's going to bring a bigger audience than maybe yeah. literally ever before. Uh, even more than than when when Eccleston took over, because like That's Disney Plus, like like as, as big as Doctor Who is, like I don't know how many Americans watch Doctor Who, but like it premiering on Disney Plus with like a young new hot Doctor, I think it's gonna be. I think at least the first episode is gonna go gangbusters. And again, day and date is going to be huge. We now know the release date of these three specials of the three David Tennant specials. The first one being November twenty fifth, um, and coming to Disney Plus on November twenty fifth um that's never happened before we've always had to wait at least six months before we got doctor who um i think the 50th was the was the the biggest change because we also had like a theatrical release for that uh in america um and to and to have that continue into a new series that will we will always be able to watch it with the people who are watching it in britain and that's going to be really big uh to kind of keep us in the loop we won't have to keep hearing about it for months and months and months and then finally get to watch it when it drops on HBO Max. Or pirate it. Or pirate it. I do it. think that had um, shifted by the time we were somewhere in the Capaldi range. Um, sure, but I, I do know... I do know that Flux specifically frustrated a lot of American fans because of how long it took to be released in America, but I don't know what that, what that, release, what that release schedule was. I did want to touch on Flux just because, like, you were you were bringing up, like, how BBC felt about things. Like, um, yeah. uh, it, it has been talked about, and I've been looking into it. Like, you know, the BBC was pretty close to canceling Doctor Who post Jodie Whittaker's season two um, because of the pandemic. And, like, oh, the pandemic had, like, was about to push them over the edge, and Chibnall said, no, 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 we can't. So Chibnall got Flux together as a six-episode six season, um, a tighter story, so that Doctor Who would continue into its into its next phase um it's kind of which also makes me think again like chibnall might have been talking with davies already about like what was being talked about on the chopping block because we know that um it was kind of a battle to get the bbc to approve um going forward with that next season right uh, and, and and there's a quote in uh, this quote about the power of the doctor which is jody whitaker's last episode that the reason why new who doctors aren't in it is because of something that's happening in the 60th so he was clearly talking to Davies at that point. Yeah. 
Um, so I think I I think that's really uh I I think that's you know however you feel about Chibnall, however you feel about Jody Whittaker, Chibnall did keep Doctor Who from dying yeah. during the pandemic and and keep it from from being lost completely um because we were close to that. And uh I'm I'm glad that at least that that happened. Um because we're getting to this point and I'm very excited about about the future of Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And hey, you know, 2025 is the 50th end of, is the 20th, sorry, the 50th, I'm not that old, is the 20th anniversary of, of, of the first Christopher Eccleston season. So, you know, maybe we get an anniversary special for that too. Maybe there's a bunch of doctors back for that one. I would love That's, it. I, that I really like, yeah. I appreciate that David Tennant said like, uh, he was asked about is he coming back past these specials ever again for Doctor Who? Does he think this is the last time? And he's like, he and he's this is one of the best answers I think I've ever heard from an actor in this in terms of this kind of conversation, where he said like I don't think it's realistic to ever say I'll never do it again. I think as long as I can still run down a hallway, it's always possible. <laughs> um, and he so he said I, I I don't think I'll ever say it's it's not going to happen or and this is the last time. Uh, I'm certainly not going to say it right now. Um, what what I will say, and I mean this with all sincerity, is that it's not on my plans currently, and mm. and that's all I'll say. But we're about uh, to get three I'll, hours. But I'll never. But I'll never say no. Yeah. Um, that it's the last time because obviously that that just doesn't seem to be true. And he's no saying, one... and he's referring to himself, but he's also looking at the older doctor. He's like, I don't know when I'll ever really be done. <laughs> You're never really gone. No one. No one has ever really gone from from Doctor Who. Chris Rexon historically did not want to come back, and now he's doing big finish. So um, when he shows up, it, like we're gonna lose our minds. Lose he, our he will absolutely. Oh, yeah. He will come back when, when. Yeah. I I'm still waiting for them to announce Matt Smith and and Peter Capaldi to do big finish because I know it's coming. It's just it's just a matter of time. I want Whitaker also. Yeah, Whitaker's gonna take some I want, time. I want her. Time. I want her in anything written by anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's so wonderful. Uh, truly, I, I think she's a wonderful actor, and I think her doctor's capable of more. I think I want more stories of her under someone else's tutelage. Uh, I was. I watched the first three episodes of uh, her second season, um, and the first episode, uh, called first two episodes called Spy Master Part One and Two. Spyfall, thank you. Um, the Spyfall. The first episode, I think, is really great. And I was like, yeah. wow, yes, here we go. That second episode, really bad. Um, and I was like, wow, you really take this two-part, this two-parter. Um, I even like the reveal. There's a big reveal at, 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 at the end of the first episode. I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, hell yeah. This is really fun. I'm really excited. And then the second episode, just nah. And then the third episode, called Orphan 55, probably one of the worst episodes I've ever seen on the show. <laughs> Really uh, yeah, uh, Brandon and I will be talking Doctor Who in the lead up and probably just a little bit past um, when these specials yeah. are coming out because we're we're planning that with our friend of the podcast, Xander. Um, we're going to be doing at least um, three episodes, I believe, uh, covering the Doctors of the new cool. era. Um, just kind of revisiting, talking about things we've loved and things that didn't work and all that kind of stuff. So we'll talk a lot, Jody, there um, because I, I want to give her her flowers while also talking about the things that didn't work during her time. Yeah. All right, I think the last thing I'll bring up then. Godzilla minus one trailer two. Before that, can we talk about the G Fest shorts first? Absolutely, we should. Okay, cool. Ben, did you get to watch either of the G Fest shorts this year? I did not. You didn't okay. see my man Jet Jaguar do a one so, shot so ben, across if, the city. If you're not familiar, just like last year, there was a two G Fest shorts, one is CGI and one is Suitmation. Um the CGI one is Godzilla versus Megalon. Love it. Uh oh. and the Suitmation one 
is Godzilla versus Jet Jaguar. I couldn't okay. be happier. Uh, and the Suitmation one is so good. Dude, it's, <laughs> it's so good. There's a clip going around. It's like a, it's literally just like it's like a it's like a 30 second shot of just Jet Jaguar avoiding things, running through the city. I'm like, that's a man in a suit. God, it looks the, so cool. he looks great. I will. I want to. I want to. I, the only negative thing I have to say about the Sumation one is they really need to retire that suit. That final, that final wars uh, Godzilla suit is looking ragged, and they need to retire it for a new one. Sure. Um, I, I actually have one other thing, which is like I want them to get, I want them to get somebody else to make music for these because sure. like I'm fine with them reusing like the old music and themes to a point, but I'm yeah. like guys, just make make new music, just make new yeah. music. Um, the the final war suit was made in two thousand and four, uh, yeah. so that thing is is looking old. And I, and I so love it. The so the, the the CGI one is done by a company called Gemstone. It's directed by the same person who directed the episode the the last one, Godzilla vs. Gigan Rex. Um, if you recall, I really liked that episode. I I did like the Megalon one quite a bit. Um, not as much as Gigan Rex. Um, it's the not Megalon, it's not the Megalon one though has a really cool new Godzilla power. Uh, which is that he internalizes his atomic his atomic energy into a punch. He's out of his megalon. It's more than that. No, he's he just Miles Morales. He can just decide where his atomic energy goes because he also pushes it into his back. Yeah, and he like farts himself through the sky. He, he fart, look, come on, let's be real, guys. It's a fart blast. He fart blasts. I can't. Is this I, Ben? I, have you seen that gif of Godzilla doing like a drop kick? Like he's like on his tail. Yeah, of have course. Ever, that, I, that, I, I remember that, watching like, that in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but imagine a nuclear blast is coming out of his ass. It's a I reference. Thought. It's a reference to that because it's Godzilla versus Megalon and yeah. and Godzilla versus Megalon again. The thing is, like, I I, I actually did want to know what you guys think about this because I I I liked the 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 super fist thing up to a point, but I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about a Godzilla that could just channel atomic power into different parts for of his body. This G fest thing, like, I'm okay with. It. Yes, for a short, but yeah. I'm like. But I'm like, I don't know if I'd ever want to see this in a real movie because I think this is maybe a step too far with Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the, I thought G, it was really the one, the Godzilla versus Megalon did pop up on my YouTube feed. So I will be watching that later. Watch it soon because, I will. Like, I will. well, no, the Guy Gang Rex is still available on YouTube, isn't it? I, I highly recommend getting them as quick as possible because Toho is notorious. They've notorious already on Twitter pulling them down. They've already pulled it on Twitter and and like they've only you can watch them in clips like like it's like a, a tweet thread now because they you, are no, so you can litigious. you can they have currently put a subtitle version of both Megalon and Jet Jaguar on YouTube, YouTube. Um, and they are and the Jet Jaguar one will only be available will only be available till the twelfth in which case it'll be taken off completely. Okay, um, great. So, good. so you know, yo ho, yo ho. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. They did the same thing last year with Godzilla versus. Um, They've done Hell? it to all the shorts, all the G Fest shorts, I think, except for the first one. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, so so the so the Megalon was really was re really fun, and they used like live action actors in the, this time too, which I thought was was well was was incorporated. Um, and I thought the the Megalon kind of animation was interesting. The Suitmation one really I really liked this time. Yeah. Um, they Jet redo uh, the original Ghidorah entrance. It's yes. Sick. So another suit they need to retire is the Godzilla Mothra King Ghidorah Giant Monsters All Out Attack Ghidorah suit, which makes its which makes its second appearance this year in this short. Uh, because the last time it appeared was in that really rad commercial that commercial. has like all yeah, yeah, yeah. the escalating kind of threats. Yes. Um, yes. It's the same suit, and uh, it's and it's the first form of that of that Ghidorah too, because he evolves into a second form. 
And so I thought that was really funny. But yeah, it, and it, this one like tees up, which would most likely be the next short, which will be next year's. They Chisa, said that you saw Fedora. it subtitled with the title, right? Yeah. Yeah, so next year it's a, a G-Fest 5 All-Monster Showdown, which implies probably even more kaiju showing up in the next one than just yeah. these three. Battle Royale! I just looked up on YouTube. Godzilla vs. Megalong is the first thing that's on my recommend, so I'm going to be watching that after we're done recording. Please don't miss the Jet Jaguar one, because I like I will that. Make I sure, I'm pretty one. sure it's going to be on my suggested, but I will watch that okay. right afterwards. The Jet I Jaguar think, one I, is really is really, is really really cool because it's a new Jet Jaguar suit. Um, they don't do any size changing, which is kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. But they, but they do some really fun stuff. Yo, he gives he does a, an arm like he does like the Stallone yeah. thing like arm or yeah, arm yeah. Schwarzenegger thing from Predator with them. Picks it's, up Godzilla. He picked up Godzilla with a thumbs up, basically. Oh, it's uh, it's, it's, it's really good. It's really wonderful. It's just like both of these are a celebration of of one of my personal favorite Godzilla movies. Like just for like fun is Godzilla versus Megalon. Um, I love I love the Jet Jaguar and I love the villain monsters. That's been a that's been a fan favorite for a while. So seeing both of them celebrated in separate shorts is really cool. Word. I will say the CGI one in terms of a choreo use of monster stuff i just didn't find it as creative with megalon yeah as i mm -hmm. thought the gigan rex one was i agree and that yeah, disappointed me if i'm being 100 transparent I, and i also thought it looked kind of bland to look at comparatively to the suit i thought should run. i thought noticeable i thought the guy the the guy and rex one looked really expensive and really interesting and really fun i i mentioned that i really liked it um the megalon one i think this time looked noticeably cheaper yeah um which is a bummer um, because you kind of want to see like something of at least equal quality. Um, and I, I just, uh, that's part of the reason why I didn't like it as much, but there's still some really interesting stuff. It's really funny. It's really cool. Um, I can't believe they referenced Seatopia. Yes. Seatopia well. yes. still exists. Bring it back. Insane. And if you, if you, if you are into the, the theory that, I am into, which is that this is the same Godzilla as Godzilla Jr. Uh, at yeah. the end of Godzilla vs. Destroya, then it makes yeah. the kind of continuity really fun uh, from the hate. Yeah, I think that's I think that's cool. I really like that. I just wish I liked this CGI short more. Yeah, yeah because I do like yeah. the idea that that's Godzilla Jr. carried on, but like, yeah, it's 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 just okay. And I think the Subation one just kills it comparatively. Yeah. It just crushes it um, under the weight of how cool it looks. Yeah, the uh, uh, the Subation one this year was very good. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that G Fest ends up doing every year where now where it puts like, hey, uh, is there a CGI audience or a Suitmation audience? And I think Suitmation's winning. <laughs> but speaking of, oh, uh, uh, real quick and real quick uh, before I know what you're going to, um, but they also revealed the because we're heading into the 70th year of Godzilla, they revealed the logo celebrating 70th. Very cool. I think it's sick. It's I really good that logo. Yet. I um, it's that it's out. basically you've got like one of the first. Uh, silhouette full body shots you see of Godzilla in the original film is at the center of the 70 uh, forming it and I think it's really good uh, really excited about that so oh that in, is cool in Japan the <clears throat> movie is out it is out now it is being seen by general audiences and is doing really well in America it is not out yet it's out December 1st so we got a trailer and we got a hell of a trailer guys oh. um, this one is great so, I'm so excited for this movie oh man I am. Uh, I, 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 like I said in the thread last night, I watched this trailer three times. I am stupid Here, excited for this I movie. watched it I on that to... TV. Oh, you lucky bastard. Boy, howdy. I, not only that, when Sparks tweeted the IMAX poster, I'm like, oh, baby, I need to see this in IMAX, like, now. Yeah. I'm just like, 
oh, just, just everything about this trailer just screams Godzilla. And it may, harkens me back to when I watched the original 1964 version. Or no, excuse me, 54 version. My bad. The, like, the original 1954 of how Godzilla is essentially a metaphor for the atomic bomb and how he is he is a monster created by war and it's our um like man's hubris and just you know all these great great things or not great things but you know like these things that make you think about it also packed into a movie about a giant monster just wrecking shit i think what's so interesting about this trailer to me is is just how beautiful it looks there's some incredible shots in here there's the the shot in the the ocean we sent we've already seen kind of a, a a clip of a kind of a, a still image but we kind of get more of the of godzilla chasing down this boat that's firing at it and i think that looks really striking um as just an image um there's a lot of great like shots of, of Godzilla in the city. There's one that like, he turns around, and you see that like the tail like swings yeah. over. Oh. Very cool. Um, the money shot though, and I can't wait to bring it up, so I'm going to do it now. Is we get a new look at his atomic breath, which is the dopest thing. And his the his fins. dorsal spines are sticking, are it's like coming up as the charging his lasers. This is charging, and and uh, um, he was. The, the director was, was influenced by um, by uh, Gareth, Ed, Gareth Edwards' Godzilla 2014. He's talked about how that was a big influence on this on this film in general. Not the only influence, but like one of them. Um, and so like the charging of Godzilla's spines, what comes from that? And he like took it to the next step of just the doom, 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 doom. and then That's they like so push, they, they all go, they all lock in, and he just like. Oh, I'm so excited, man! I, I so actually excited. looked at the comments of that part, and they're saying it's like it's like he's pulling the trigger on his own yeah. atomic yeah. breath. Like, did when you I was see? Kid, did oh. you see what 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 Ryan reposted? Um, which was the sneeze <laughs> sound yeah. effect attached to it? I did not. Um, there's there's really one funny. where someone cut together, like they cut together the charge, <laughs> the lock, and then the blast, <laughs> and then it's just like, <laughs> and like you see the atomic explosion across. The Sorry, <laughs> really funny. No, I am. Yeah, this was like this. I was already sold on the movie, and like they didn't yeah. have to like I, Shin Godzilla is my favorite movie, not just because of Tadekiano, but it's like that is like in a new interpretation of what you can do with Godzilla. And it could have just been it's just Godzilla. He charges his beam, but the little thing of like, yo, let's do a, a, something a little different for this one too. Like, it's so it's like a little thing that it's so much like it's like the shot, like, like you said, of the trailer. It's like, damn, like they're really trying with this one, man. Like it looks it looks dramatic. It looks intense. Like it looks like it's not just a, oh, it's a big kaiju movie. It's like, no, like we're dealing with the aftermath of like an atomic bomb, you guys. Uh, much, this, is much so, this is so weird. One, one thing. This is so weird to see because he's small. And like I'm excited about that. He's a small Godzilla. Relatively. American Godzilla is huge. Yeah. Um, much to the point of what Ryan's saying um, uh, of it being like uh, post the atomic bomb and post-war. This is one of the things that's um, like Godzilla, again, he's closer in his appearance here to the actual dropping of the atom bombs in Japan mm -hmm. than he was even in the original film. Um, this is very much right in the aftermath of it. And like another thing I really loved about this trailer is seeing people in all these places that they're just kind of trying to make livable spaces right now because there is so much desolation, whether that's now from Godzilla's attack or just from the bombs that just happened. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's something that they're living in in this moment. And I think that's really, really well executed on yeah. this it looks like the human element is going to be really well done for like them trying to find like 
it, imagining like a disaster happening to you that you're trying to piece your life together around and then another disaster is happening and you're just having to constantly be in motion around these disasters um I think that's really, really poignant. I think that's really powerful in the way that they're going to show it. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like that that's going to come across with a lot of the human stuff we're seeing in this. Too. Yeah. You know, you know, Sparks. I don't. I don't think. I. I don't think they I don't think American audiences are really going to get it. I think we need to like. Um, I think what we need to do is we need, we need to like film new American segments of. I think a reporter would probably be okay. And then Steve Martin. Just get Steve Martin. The actual be, Steve Martin. I'd be so. And then, <laughs> and then we we intercut him narrating what's happening uh while he's like talking to his like and i think that's how we do it i think that's how okay we do it. okay you're joking but genuinely yeah. what i think would be funny is if when we go see the american cut in december 1st there actually is just like 30 seconds added of an american journalist and he gets like, killed, killed. stomped right. so <laughs> we're here in japan and they're like this is a japanese movie <laughs> this, is, this is the original you yeah. stay out of it so one of the things I'm really excited about this movie is not just because they're going back to the roots of Godzilla. Obviously the 70th anniversary is next year. And this film is very much hearkening back to the original 1954 film of post-war Japan. The, um, the trust, the, the damage that the bomb did to create this monster. It's and I'm not going to lie. It was actually probably the right word. Yeah. And Watch it and just watching this trailer and even just ruminating on it while I was at work the other night, I had a film class. I had like a film snob moment where not to say I, I don't like the obviously I don't like I love the other Godzilla films. Godzilla, it became such a big pheno film phenomenon after the original that original film. But I think the more I ruminate and the more I think about it, that the original 1954 might be my favorite Godzilla film of all time, just oh, yeah. because of what it means and what it stands. And because I watched the original Japanese version subtitled, no um, random American just put in, I don't want to watch that other version. Hang on. Hang on. That random American has a name. It is Raymond Burr playing Steve I, Martin. Steve I forgot, Martin. <laughs> I forgot it was I forgot it was Raymond. I forgot it was Raymond. But, playing the character Steve Martin. Oh, okay. That's Not that's the, the Steve. I was thinking about the, the real Steve Damn. Martin. But anyways, uh, but just looking at this trailer, it's like kind of reminding you of what Godzilla is. Now, once again, I do enjoy the legendary films. I love giant monsters fighting and duking out. That is yeah. entertainment. But what Godzilla originally is, as the metaphor of the fallout of the bombs, it and hits how different. he is this, it, it does. It hits different, and I'm really excited. And part of me kind of hopes that there's a that they don't kill Godzilla off in this film. They just learn how to like misdirect him. And part of me kind of hopes for a sequel for him to end up in America. Well, so they killed like they killed him in the they killed him in the first Godzilla yeah, film. So they, like you yeah, could, they the, you they don't could. Need to do that. But honestly, part of me yeah. as Weird as this sounds, part of me wants the second Japanese Godzilla, like they call it Godzilla minus two. Godzilla makes landfall in Los Angeles. And awesome. he essentially proves to the Americans that because one of the quotes that Brandon told me about the about the 98 film that the Japanese don't like is like the Americans make a movie where they can't kill a thing using their own weapons. And I kind of want to see a movie where they can't kill Godzilla with the conventional weaponry. Like sure. I know that's been going around for years, but I want post-war America to experience that. Well, I'm so that's, curious that's about fair, this film. Fun. I, I, we do have a movie about Godzilla attacking San Francisco, which is almost in LA. Uh, so, like, I, I hear you. 
I, I, I don't think I need that. What's so interesting yeah. about this film to me is, um, you know, I'm not, I, you know, there's often obviously like, you know, what could we do for sequels? We could do like, maybe we bring in Anguirus, maybe we, we bring in other monsters. We could, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I even necessarily want that. This is good. I'll want, I'll take 50. Um, but what I think, it, I think is so interesting is, is the influences of this film. This director has been very clear about has his influences what's gotten me so excited is that he's his in, the influences of the film are basically my top four Godzilla films. He's talked about how much he loves GMK, Shin Godzilla, Godzilla 54 and Godzilla 2014. And I'm like, you're speaking my language, buddy. Yeah. Give this to me now. Uh, even Gareth Edwards was like, this is the Godzilla film I wish I could have made. Um, and like, I'm just because he went to see it and, and like, imagine if you, if it, if, if, because the director of this film um, has, has said that, Godzilla 2014 is an influence on this film. And the director of that film says, this is the film I wish you I could have made. Imagine how good that must feel. Oh, it the, must. Yeah, the reviews are are like really positive. Yeah. Like the yeah. few that I've seen are like, y'all, this is a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked. And again, it's like, this isn't a thing like, oh, we have to wait a year to see it. Like, no, we're seeing it in less than a month. And just as yeah. we were talking about with Doctor Who, um, this is also massive for Godzilla International um release yeah uh how yes it's out now in japan and we're waiting for december 1st that is the smallest window yeah one of those has gotten to us ever. and the widest release we've ever gotten before because right before it's always it's like just, two days three days the fathom event mostly i i have a question is this is this because Toho is doing their own MonsterVerse. In to this is not related to that, right? This is just a, a different Godzilla movie, right? It doesn't. It sounds like Toho's decided not to do their own shared okay. Godzilla no, universe. We don't really know what the plans are past this. Okay. Because um, I remember we talked about like, yeah, we want to make our own version of this for Japan. I'm like, is this the start of that? Because then like, it have a feeling like, oh, I don't. With what this is like, I just don't want this like this to turn into. Oh, it's just now Godzilla has to save the world against all the monsters. Like mm -hmm. that's what Godzilla becomes a lot of the time, and like. If you just keep it like horror and scary like this, yeah. like giving, um, giving Ben some of the some some um, uh, credits the wrong word, but like uh, acknowledging what Ben was saying about like wanting this Godzilla to go to America, I I will say Ben like one of the things that I've I've long wanted and it's just not something that they can really do um, easily is is for Japanese filmmakers to be able to make a film about Godzilla attacking like really about him attacking other places yeah. because he's so regularly attacking Japan. And I'm like, realistically for them, like the, the massive thing would be for him to attack America, the place that originates the atomic bomb upon them. True. Um, yeah. And like, you, you'd want that. You'd kind of want uh -huh. that response, especially like they, they share the ocean, like it's Japan. And then yeah. across the Pacific ocean is, is America. Godzilla should realistically go there in a follow-up film there should be a film that's about an attack there yeah um but i wouldn't want americans to make it yeah, yeah. Right. i'd want oh, no, their want perspective america. on making it but that's hard that's a yeah. hard thing for them to accomplish uh and it, unless it's like a co-op joint but i think you're right i think you're right about like that being a cool direction that i wish a godzilla movie could go in yeah now i also i just wanted to not double back but kind of reiterate what I was saying about like a sequel, like a supposed minus two, I realized that's me putting a cart way before the horse, but that's really, I'm just super excited about it. I am stupid excited about this Godzilla movie. Just watching this trailer, I am ready for it. And also, I'm just so happy we're getting this so soon because, like you guys said, normally with these Godzilla films after they come out in Japan, it takes a while for, for them to get a release in America. Maybe they dub it or not, but I am all for going to see this movie IMAX subtitled. I want the original Japanese audio. 
And also, I just want to shout out, I love the Godzilla roar in this movie. We get a lot of him roaring a lot, and it's just so menacing. It's just so guttural, and still it invokes the original roar from 1954. It's just... It is pushing all the right buttons for me, and I'm just like, give it to me now. I wanted to say something about the 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 idea of making a Godzilla film, a Japanese director making a Godzilla film attacking about attacking America. One of the biggest problems, one of the biggest hurdles you'd you'd hit is our military, because uh, yeah. our military will want to be involved in that because they're involved in almost every film, and they have like a hundred percent say on what like like yeah. they can they can they can veto any idea yeah. like you need to make america's military look at the best that you can that's why michael bay is best friends with him this is yeah. part of what right. happened in 2014 godzilla film to be clear yeah mm-hmm. um yeah gareth edwards uh the military came and was like eh, actually you need to make this look, make us look a little bit better thank you um as, and which is why the military uh kill kills uh godzilla in the 98 film also is because mm-hmm. it's, it's for some of the reason Anyway, I'm very excited for the film. I cannot wait for it. Um, uh, hell yeah, uh, bring it on. I know, like, Strike stuff, like, was standing, like, the next, like, y'all, the next month, we're getting two different incredible-looking Godzilla properties. Yes. We're getting Monarch, and we're getting uh, a Japanese Godzilla. Like, yeah. like that, that within, like, less than two weeks of each other. Because yeah. it comes out the 25th, I believe, is when Monarch comes out. Like, are you kidding me? That's, like, back-to-back incredible shit? Like, give me a break, y'all. This is a like, very exciting time. feasting. We're feasting. And then there's, like, the, the, the orangutan... The X-Kong. <laughs> yeah, an orangutan villain movie coming next year or whatever, if that's not pushed. Like, it's good time to be a Godzilla fan. It is. I agree. I'm very excited. All right. That'll do it? Yes. Yep. Hopefully. All right, guys. Um, well, hope you like the new format. Sorry, we went a little long, but... Uh, some good discussions, I think. All right. Um, guys, there's plenty of things you can check out. Uh, if you like this video, subscribe to this channel. Um, there are, th- as I said up top, conversations coming back this coming week. November 10th, I believe, is the day I, I said. That's, that's when it's uh, the next episode. And then I'm going to be doing weekly. I've only got like four or five episodes left of the season. I'm just going to bust those out uh, before December. Busting, busting. In the beginning of December. <laughs> um. A couple of our shows are are still uh, strike prohibited, so please check out our website, affectorpodcast.com, uh, to see which shows those are and which shows aren't, which shows are, are active. Guys, we already talked about the Basement Arcade stuff, but just to reiterate, it was Dead Space, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's 2, Fortnite Prop Hunt, Evil Dead, The Game, Choo Choo Charles, The Last of Us, Phasmophobia, and Dead by Daylight. Those are just two weeks. That's just the last two weeks of Basement Arcade, Spooktober, but there's plenty more to check out if you check out the uh, the the the... Uh, what's it called? The playlist in the description below. Basement Arcade Pause Mini, also two episodes in the last two weeks. Just reiterate, it's Boss Fight Books in quarter three for 2023. Um, and then Fake Nerd Book Club, Hello, Halloween. Uh, those are audio and video if you want to check those out um, in any format you wish. You can, of course, check out our Patreon or our T Public on our website and linked below. If you'd like to support us financially, we greatly appreciate it. Um, once again, our website is fakenerdpodcast.com. Check it out. Thank you to everyone who listens, everyone who watches the live show, and everyone who watches the replay. We greatly appreciate all of your support. And thank you to Jeremy Bellucci, who uh, did all the music you heard here today uh, and all the music you hear for all of our shows. You can check him at, out at Jeremy Bellucci underscore Wreck of Time. And you can, of course, check out his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also check out Mike Matola if you like Mike Matola's work uh, as far as our logos go and as far as our... Um... Yes? <laughs> um 
sorry, my mother is in the shot now. Um, <laughs> you can also check out this little old lady. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also check out Mike Matola at Mike Matola on Instagram and Twitter. No, Instagram and Threads and TikTok, um, he, where you can check out all of his fun stuff. He he does a lot of great work and a lot of collaborations from us. Now the little Puppy. lady with the dog coming by. <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all the Fickner Podcasts, FakenerGuys at gmail.com. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for geekdom.com. Ben, where can people find you? Well, you can find me baking my uh, family's famous pumpkin bars at BadMagnet27 on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Threads. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and also those two big uh, articles I mentioned at the very top of the show. They're going to be in the November issue, so go check it out for Old School Gamer Magazine. But also, you can find me playing Mary Frankenstein and Shaggy Rogers in Dean Dark and Call of Cthulhu, which is our Halloween special. So if you're subscribed to the Patreon of Dean Dark, you can get all those episodes when they come out. But the very first episode, if you want to just check it out just for shits and giggles, you can because it's on the Dean Dark uh, uh, audio feed. I just remembered about Ben's Puerto Rican family. You mean my Simone family? <laughs> Simone yeah. family. Oh, that was funny. Uh, check out our uh, holiday annuals. They're fun. Uh, Sparks, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me having oxygen pumped into me while I sleep at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Oh, boy. And Ryan? Man, what deeply personal thing can I explain? Um, God, you can, you can find me hoping to have a job soon at DJ Tony Snark everywhere all over the internet. All right, guys. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to us. Uh, rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, like this video, subscribe to the channel, all that jazz, guys. You know, you know the drill at this point. Thumbs up. Uh, Thumbs up. Until next time you see us, guys, stay fake nerds. <laughs>